Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Every day's a Saturday. Building up the tension beautifully. Kia folks. Welcome into the show. This is the Saturday session. I'm Daniel McCarty. I'm here. Well, you know that. I'm here most weeks. I won't say every week. Most weeks. Some weeks. But guess who's here? But he's not here with me, despite uh, me suggesting on the program last weekend that Grant Elliott and I will be in a studio together. Well, we're in studios at least. G'day, Grant. And I can see your face. Mate, you are missing out today. I, um, I'm in Auckland. I'm in the big smoke. I'm obviously I'm doing the one day, which everyone knows, of course, the Battle of the Titans, Sri Lanka and New Zealand. But it is, I'll tell you later on in the show why that is an important um, series coming up. But Ben Francis met me. I've met him for the first time. I only knew him virtually. It was like a virtual relationship. You know, the one that you have with Ben. And now I almost feel like we've got a bromance going and I sort of feel, Daniel, that you might be the third wheel today in this kind of, you know, date that we're having. I, I got to the car. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm big <laughs> enough and ugly enough to, to deal with that. He, he, I, I'm just glad the, the obvious friction that you two have had now over an extended period of time due to the fact that you cost him some money in a freaking cricket game oh. uh, has been put to bed once and for all. So, well, so, you, so you're best of buds, Ben. Good morning to you. Morning, guys. Yeah, man, it, it was it was a bit of careless whisper playing as he walked to the car. <laughs> I, I opened open the car door for him. It was like a first date, you know. I just just sit sit in the nice little whip I've got there. He he opened the car door. I actually thought I said, "Oh, is this a left hand drive?" And he was like, "No, I'm just opening the door for you." It was like a first date. Oh, what a gentleman! It was yeah, yeah. It was it was really. Um, yeah, what what can I say? I think memorable as a first date, and he's a behemoth of a man. I mean, he looks like a big man on the camera, but when you meet him, he had his hair, you know, hanging down. He looked like the Undertaker from <laughs> WWF or WWE or whatever. Um, and we just had a nice chat. He dropped me off on the way here for a little smoothie and a coffee, and got my bagel, got my um, sustenance for this morning to get through. And uh, yeah, it's just this bromance has just you know flourished from the start. So it's great to finally see do, Ben do, Francis. Do you know the best thing about it, Daniel, is that I did it all whilst wearing the cricket shirt that he sent me. You did, yeah, magnificent. That is good. That is a nice touch, Ben. A great touch picking Grant up as well. How, how tidy was the car? 
Right? Well, let's talk about the top first. It was real tight. It was tight. <laughs> I mean, I said he's a behemoth of a man. You're going to struggle to get. You a, are not. Yeah, you're going to struggle to get a blazer on him. But yeah, it was a real tight fit. Luckily, it was. Um, luckily, it was that stretchy material. So, um, and he didn't mention the the money I owed him from the semi final as well, where he lost. Uh, what was it? $120. $120. Where yeah. he probably not bet, that he's not he, that he's counting. He bet against me. Um, so yeah, that's that, uh, we won't bring that up. Let's not bring that up. No, you, it's always a sore you, point. Golden rule in life, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, never bet against Grant Allen. <laughs> now we've got Grant for about an hour and a half because, as he uh, has uh, mentioned, he's uh, nipping off to uh, cover the first One Day International between New Zealand. And Sri Lanka, we'll talk about that a little bit later this hour, a part of Swinging Both Ways, our cricketing segment. Uh, we're going to review the Test Summer. Yeah, six Test matches now behind us. We now look ahead to uh, the white uh, ball format of the game. Uh, we'll uh, dish out some gongs as far as players of the year, etc., etc., before quickly looking at the one-day series um, between New Zealand and a 19-strong Sri Lankan squad. They brought 19 players for this grant. Yeah, they're going to be they're going to be doing some experimenting, uh, so that will happen later this hour. Great uh, second hour. We're going to catch up with Casey Lolala, um, former All Black Crusaders midfielder, fine player, really good pro over the years, and um, also happened to um, play under one Scott Robertson when he first got into this little thing called coaching. Uh, so very much looking forward to picking his brain about a, a young Scott Robertson uh, as far as a, a, a coaching. Um, how he, you know what I'm trying to say. Prowess. So I had a late night. Coaching prowess. I'm a bit dusty today, fellas. Oh, no. You might have to carry me through here. Daniel, what yeah. happened? What happened? We had I, such I, a lovely I dinner to a, together. I went, I went to a gig last night. I was crammed in like sardines, the hottest shed six. It was about a million degrees. And Grant, you know me in perspiration. So the poor sods around me, absolutely drenched. What was it? Because I saw Michael McIntyre on my flight. I wanted to fanboy him and go, oh, can I get a selfie? But I was like, oh, no, I, don't, I can't do that. It's in front of the, all the hurricanes. That's a pretty good name drop. Yeah. That's I, a pretty good name drop. Well, I was, I was, I'm going to name drop uh, Dom Bird as well. So I was standing next to Dom Bird, the hurricanes. They traveled um, mm-hmm. up to Auckland with me. Standing next Looking to Dom to Bird. <laughs> yeah, big unit. He's like Ben Francis. And then um, I said, oh, you know who that is? And he's like, who's that? I said, that's Michael McIntyre. He's like, oh, it is. And he was just in front of us waiting for his, his luggage. And I thought, oh, should I get a selfie? This would be great for the, the Saturday sesh. But no, I couldn't, I couldn't do <laughs> it because I know how awkward it is. You if, whipped out. Yeah. Well, when someone comes up to me, it's a bit Mate, awkward. Mate, you're Superman. You go up and go, Michael, I'm Superman. Nice to meet you. Uh, can I have a selfie? Would you like a selfie with me, Michael? <laughs> hey, Michael, I just thought maybe you might not know who I am, but you do want a <laughs> selfie with me. Give me your number, I'll send exactly. it to you. No, I'm not like that, Daniel. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so, Cassie Lalala would join us. We're also going to catch up with uh, Sterling Mortlock, one of the very best there's ever been, the former Australian captain. Uh, he's launched a uh, company that's uh, heavily involved in concussion and mental well-being. Really fascinating story. Going to catch up with him about 11.30 after Grant uh, saunters off, um, puts on the suit, bit of makeup. He needs a lot of makeup. Um, and uh, covers some cricket. And while after 12 o'clock, we're going to talk about um, certain broad brushstrokes, where are the All Whites at? Uh, one thing that uh, sticks out, the All Whites um, I thought were pretty tidy against China and game number one on Thursday without really being overly threatening. And guess what? We continue this wait for a goal. Uh, Grant will remember it well. The... Third March, 
third, 2022. New Zealand, all whites have nearly gone a year without a goal, Grant. Wow. They've nearly gone a whole year without a goal. That's a big drought. That's almost like Virat Kohli's <laughs> drought of hundreds, wasn't it? Took him ages. Yeah. And, and Dougie Bracewell waiting for his, his test since the Hobart test. It was something ridiculous. It was like 11 years or something like that um, till he played. And that was a successful test match for New Zealand. They beat Aussie and Hobart, and then Dougie hadn't played one since then. So it's good to see him back. But, yeah, a year without a goal. You'd start doubting yourself, wouldn't you? Yes, um, and this football fan doubts New Zealand football overall because if I factor in the six games, that's six games they haven't scored in, and the football ferns haven't scored in five, it's 11. 11 matches our premier football sides have not scored a goal in. What's our defence like, though? And <laughs> <laughs> we can't score goals, we've got to be yes. really good on defence, surely. Well, if you can't score goals, you're never going to win. No. no matter how good your defence is. But that's all right. You can always play for the draw. It's like trying to, you know, you know, bowl to someone for the run out. <laughs> Come on, mate. You're living in the baseball era now, buddy. This <laughs> thing is playing for the draw. Uh, uh, we'll catch up with super coach uh, Chris Milicic, good friend of SENZ. He was part of our commentary team uh, recently for when the uh, Phoenix played... Sydney at Eden Park. So that is all still to come, though, at the top of the hour. Uh, let's recap what's happened in some sporting news. We, we need a news sting, don't we, though? We, we've got to sound professional. I'm just looking at Ben Francis, and his eyes are bolting from side well, to side. Well, we don't have one. I, I, I understand we don't have one. I'm just saying we, what we, we like it? to have these editorial meetings live on air. It's the beauty of this show. What would it sound like? Oh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. The Undertaker. News. It's a bit ominous. On the Saturday yeah. session. News. News brought to you by <laughs> the dead. Do I have to read it like I'm the Undertaker? No, don't. No, that would just be right. Don't, yeah. don't, don't. A memorable week for Scott Robinson. See, see my cadence and energy does not match that music. That, that, that's quite off-putting. Uh, a memorable week for Scott Robinson. Uh, just got the icing on the cake. The Crusaders have beaten the Brumbies 35 points to 17 in Christchurch uh, last night, capping what's been a whirlwind week for the All Black coach in waiting. Meanwhile, the Chiefs held off the Waratahs in an utterly forgettable game of rugby, 24 points to 14 in Sydney. I've already forgotten the score, and I just read it. Uh, the Black Caps will welcome a pair of debutantes uh, into the fold for the opening one-day international against Sri Lanka on Saturday. Debutantes. Are we happy with that word? Isn't a debutante like when, when a young lady goes to a, a social engagement for the first time? No. Uh, you get you become a debutante when you you play your first cricket I game. Think, I first think I'm game. right. I think I'm right. You're never wrong. Even knowing audience on double eight double three will tell us uh, who's wrong. <laughs> I should probably just carry on with the story. A better Chad Bowes and all-rounder Ruchin Ravindra will uh, make their first appearances in the 50-over format. Uh, Bowes, the former uh, South African under-19 captain, Grant. Similar, similar path to you. Mm, um, we'll player. open the batting alongside Finn Allen, uh, while Ravindra apparently will slot in at number seven. The squad is without several first-choice players due to injury or Indian Premier League duties, giving fringe members a chance to impress before the World Cup in India later this year. And if you really want to feel sorry for a coach who's lost a job, feel for uh, Bayern Munich coach Julian Nagelsmann. After less than two years in charge uh, at Bayern Munich, um, he has been sacked um, and Thomas Tuchel has been appointed as his replacement. Uh, last year, they won the league, and they're currently one point off the top of the table in the Bundesliga, and they're still in the Champions League. 
Uh, but he was gassed yesterday, uh, Grant Elliott, and found uh, found out not by the club. Found out when German German media started reporting. Oh man, that uh, he'd been sacked. But I mean, the, those coaches they they sort of they change them every day, don't? Isn't there a, a managers changed every three days in football world? It's like three days there's just an axe hanging over someone. I wonder if they're all on a yeah. Slack channel where they're like, "Unlucky brother." It was you today, and then three days later, it's like unlucky, and they just they they go to the next team, don't they? Sort of change managers. Yeah, they come yeah, in and then yeah, they'll yeah. win the first one because there's a new voice in the change room. Everyone's excited, and then he's axed three days later. <laughs> but the, the, this is a coach they spent twenty million uh, euros on to get out of his contract with his previous club. Wow. They spent huge money to get the boy wonder because he's incredibly young. Um, uh, how's this for coldness? Did, can you feel the frost in these words, Grant Elliott, as uh, Bayern Chief Executive Oliver Kahn said, when we signed Julian Nagelsmann in the summer of 2021, we were convinced we would work with him on a long-term basis. and That was the goal of all of us right up to the end. But now we have come to the conclusion that the quality in our squad, despite the Bundesliga title last year, has come to the fore less and less often. You know, it's a bit cold, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, Not, yeah. Thanks for all you've done for us. It's, yeah. We gave you the players. You, you haven't done enough with them. But then I guess there's two angles, right? Like there's the angle of backing someone. So you choose someone for a reason and you fully back them or you choose someone and you go, we demand results. And if they don't get results, well, the expectation of the next person coming in, they know. But I think it's very difficult to cultivate a, um environment of collaboration, inclusion. I think that that does cultivate more an environment of fear uh, for the players. If it happens to the coach, then surely it can happen to the players. And it, it, selection is just so important, and that's from the top down. Are you are you suggesting maybe uh, as I, I I go down the tenuous link here that maybe there could be a culture of fear inside the All Blacks now that they've um, announced uh, a new coach is coming in? Well, this is a lame attempt at a radio segue, ladies and gentlemen. It is. It is a lame attempt. I'm really keen. I'm really <laughs> keen to get your thoughts on um, a the appointment of Scott Robinson, but but how they did it, how they got there. And when's an appropriate time to do this? Yeah, like, I wanted to ask you I, that, I, I'm really, you, 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 you hold your thoughts there. And if any of our listeners want to play a part in this and may want to offer their opinion, now is your chance. Mm. Always at this time, especially, we're really keen to take your calls. 0800-150-811. Uh, you might have a question for Grant. Now he's actually turned up to work. Um, <laughs> start, you start how you intend to carry on, Grant. Firing shots. Uh, we'll take a short break. Be back with, uh, we hope, uh, your calls on 0800-150-811 or text us double eight double three back after this break. 0800-150-811, that is our phone number. You can text us double eight double three. Love to hear your voice on all things to do with sport. Really interesting week for people named Robertson in New Zealand sports, Grant Elliott. Scott, of course, as we spoke about prior to the break. Let's not forget Zane Robertson, who uh, failed a uh, drugs test then tried to cover it up and almost hilarious circumstances, um, claiming when seeking a COVID-19 vaccination in Kenya, he was instead mistakenly treated for the virus, which included the administration of EPO. <clears throat> My Lord, what a cover-up that was, uh, meaning his four-year suspension was doubled. Um, that's kind of a weird excuse. That's one way to describe it. Uh, we'll get to excuses in just a moment. Uh, we want to hear your best excuses used. 
and sport. <laughs> uh, but Dean, Dean is on the line. G'day, Dean. You must be a happy man. You you were quite pro, or were you, was it more anyone but Foster? Morning, Dino. No, definitely not anyone but Foster. You have to have the right person for for any New Zealand coaching job, I believe. It doesn't matter what sport it is. I just happen to like rugby, but I still, like, you get sick of whinging about the whole NZRFU, but there's some glaring problems there. Like, for example, with the ladies, and they did a fabulous job and won won their tournament, but they they got some really good coaching basically given to them at the last minute, and it proved it worked. So, I mean, as well, the Razor's getting the job, he's no one else can get him. But obviously, when you see the emotion in his interviews, he was going nowhere. He just wanted that job, which is what I would have thought every all that coach would want. But why can't we even get him in there as an apprentice coach? Because he's got to be better than. Why waste, why waste what he's got? Like, I, everyone knows now. Foster even knows. Like, I've seen my mates, I'll give him the hate button. We have to get up. Like, how can you? I don't understand. I'm just. Sorry, Dan. We're going to have to leave it there, mate. We've got a terrible line. I'm, I'm really sorry. Um, yeah, um, to, to really do appreciate you coming in on, on board and joining the show. Our number's 0800 I look at this in two parts, Grant. A, have they made the right appointment? And B, uh, how they went about it. Um, it's unusual, isn't it? Announcing a coach so many months in advance. Yeah. And theoretically, the guy in the job, I think, wanted to stay on, even though he ultimately uh, removed himself from um, uh, contention, mainly because yeah, well, I think he read the tea leaves. I think that's what I'd love to hear from people, because I was I was quite surprised 10 months out. All it does is it makes people evaluate Robertson and, I guess, already you know pick holes in him and he has to sort of justify why he's got the job for 10 months. It's a little bit easier to hop into the job and then, you know, I guess through um, through a couple of wins and through performances, then you justify it. Um, you know, he's going to be put in front microphone and every word he says, like, I don't know, I felt that when he was at the press conference, I was like, this is really exciting. I'm really interested to see what he says now because he's going to be the coach in 10 months' time. He's going to go through 10 months of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll get asked a lot um, during the rest of the Super Rugby season. I, I felt, as far as you know, point A, did they make the right um, appointment? Well, four years ago, this is the kind of the path I would have gone down. My dream team was Joseph Brown Robertson. I've, I've said this on the show. How on earth? If I was running, I would have got them in a room, locked them in, and you know, tried to find a way uh, to get the best three uh, people uh, together. Hasn't happened that way, but, you know, Scott Robertson's uh, record is pretty impressive now, isn't it? Clouds to the left of me, taking me off here as I'm just making an amazing seminal point. Grant, Alex, stop pushing the buttons up there, mate. I, I know you're in the mothership. I know you're in the mothership. Just keep your hands to yourself. Don't be handsy on the desk. If anyone pushes buttons, it's you with our callers, who I love hearing from. It's great hearing from the callers. I, I love to hear... You know, people with strong opinions. And generally, people I reckon that phone in do tend to have strong opinions because they've got the guts to pick up the phone. Don't you agree Absolutely. with me, Daniel McCarty? Absolutely. Absolutely. 0800 811. Join us. Um, Scott Robertson, uh, uh, the point I was making before we went off air, and do apologise for the technical issues, we have those resolved now, is I sense a real disconnect between fans and the game itself. Uh, and I think, I think chief salesman at the moment as an All Blacks coach. Maybe a new tone, a new energy is just what they need. Um, 
I was really interested also to hear Mark Robinson, and he may have said this in the past. I had certainly not heard it, but it was with an interview with Wellington-based broadcaster Adam Cooper, uh, where Mark Robinson, the Boston News, admitted viewership is down. Okay, that, that's that's when alarm bells go off. You know, when, when Sky pay 500 million bucks, basically, you know, huge, huge numbers for New Zealand rugby when, what, people are no longer watching as well and your results aren't great at the top level, 68 win percentage. Is that internationals? Four-year four year period. Well, or is that super rugby? Says, well, I, I, think, I think it's all of those things, right? Mm. The, pointy, the pointy end is the All Blacks. They've made us a, a nation of All Blacks supporters. Um, everything flows, flows on from the All Blacks. Um, but the timing one, I, I'm, you know, part B, the timing, how could they have done this? I, I'm a bit lost as to how I really feel about it. You wait and you wait and you go, right, let's, let's do it after a World Cup. Well, if Ian Foster wins it, it's a PR disaster. <laughs> well, I'll laugh because I want the All Blacks to win. I want Ian Foster's uh, side to win. And I also want uh, Ian Foster to be knighted uh, like all the other All Blacks coaches. Um, so all his haters like Ben Francis can uh, their little heads can explode. It'd be fantastic, now, wouldn't it? But if if he wins it there, well, you look like you look yeah. You know, you're replacing him after a World Cup victory, and I know the critics out there are saying you're dreaming, Daniel. Go look at the international markets as far as betting markets. The All Blacks are right up there. It would not shock me one second for one second if the All Blacks actually win this tournament. Hang on, I Daniel. I think they are capable of doing it. So, so, so when do you do it? When do you do it, Grant? Can you actually answer that for me? Because I, I, no, I accept this is not perfect either. That there's quite a you know, few down, you know, big downside to the way they've made this announcement now. Well, I think how, that, how would you do it, Grant? Well, when is the best time? Well, the biggest question I've got is if you win a World Cup, do you get knighted? Is that... Well, the last two have. So would it have been Sir Mike Hesson if he'd won... World no, well, no, it's only rugby, mate. We only care about rugby. Care about <laughs> and Sir Gary Stead. Poxy little, you poxy little cricketers. No. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It's only Sir Richard Hadley. Are there many cricketers? Um, we can go through that list another day. But the right time to do it, I think, is closer to the time where you take over the team because then it's the excitement. Then you actually tell everyone your vision. But now for 10 months, do you, you know, as I said, I think people will be picking not only holes in, you know, the coach and um, they would be asking him questions about what he's going to do with the team and the players and how he sees it. And his vision is now 10 months long leading into when he takes over the team. Um, and I think you have to be really careful about that. Just the sort of media storm that goes with announcing at 10 months, it puts a lot of pressure on that, you know, the coach coming in, uh, Scott Robertson. He probably won't feel the pressure at all. It's exciting for him, but... From a, a coach's but they've perspective, also put this, they've also put the story to bed, haven't they? It's yes, now done. The, the rumours. So I you guess. can you can you can move on. So what closer to closer to the World Cup? That would you know if there's people out there saying this might undermine the current side. The closer to the tournament you get, the more theoretically you could undermine them. Um, and again, after the tournament, well, one thing I do like they clearly they clearly have identified the one they want and have gone after him yeah. and secured him. Yeah, and maybe that's that. it. Like, come, come to us at NZR headquarters and pitch to us why you should mm. should get the gig. Well, uh, maybe legally they thought, you know, we're going to have to put him on an employment contract um, to sign something um, earlier because otherwise we might lose him some, uh, to, to another nation. 
Um, so, you know, I guess if that was the case, then, you know, their, their hands were tied. They had to announce it. Yeah. Uh, someone writes here, a country of all-black supporters, not this guy. Rugby is a game for people with enough talent to play football. Daniel, there is more to life than rugby, writes Dale. Dale, it's not what I said. <laughs> I said New Zealand rugby have trained us to be all-blacks fans. They, they have kneecapped Super Rugby and the MPC. They take players out. So it undermines our viewing experience. But the All Blacks are always protected, right? That's my point. That's what I'm trying to say. And I think over the last 10, 15 years, it's come home to roost. Can I go to um, Agent Aussie Antagonist on this subject matter, Grant? And if you've got a, a point on 0800... 150811. Now is the time. We'd love to get your thoughts on this. Uh, the agent Aussie antagonist can only be who, Grant? Um, I'm just thinking Dave Warner. It's the no. first name that comes <laughs> into my mind. <laughs> Eddie Jones. Okay. Are we you still were, on rugby? Sorry. Coach. I just yeah. I saw I saw Red Mist there for a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it's really poor how New Zealand rugby have done it. Ian Foster is. Uh, here now, he's a good man, and he's given a lot to New Zealand rugby as an assistant coach and head coach. The timing is inappropriate. Leading into a World Cup, naming the head coach beforehand just causes another distraction they don't need. It could have been, it could have a real galvanising effect on the team. They want to really work together uh, and work for their coach, but there's also the social media bit that's different in the game now. Uh, it will be putting different things into the players' heads, and that is hard to control. There's so much extra noise now. Uh, there will be extra noise with Robertson coming in. I saw a little bit of the media conference, and they're already asking what. It's gone again. Oh. It's gone again. Carry on. Carry on. I'm back. I don't know what's going on here. But essentially, Eddie Jones is saying, timing's not great, but we know that. Again, if you, if you can explain to me uh, when is a good time to do this, um, I, I'm here to listen. I'm also here to listen on your takes on Zane Robinson here, Grant Elliott. You know, filing a drugs test is one thing, but then covering it up to the lengths he has, falsifying documents, blaming the Kenyan medical system. Oh, it's hard to have any sympathy for, for him, isn't it? Oh, well, a weak excuse. Well, I remember, um, and may you rest in peace, Shane Warne, didn't he say he was done for um, oh, doping and he said a that diuretic. his mum gave him a, a, a slimming tablet or something with a cup of tea. And you're like, okay. <laughs> well, I don't know if my mum's ever given me a tablet and I've never asked, what is this? It, it's your, yeah, well, your responsibility. Yeah, athlete, it's not all that difficult to go, hmm, maybe putting this little pill in my mouth not really knowing where it's come from is not a good idea. Let, let me tell you exactly how this worked when I was, you know, if you were the top 10 cricketers contracted in New Zealand, you were under the WADA watch. So WADA was, you know, drug-free sport. You had to tell them your whereabouts every day. So where you were going to be every day. If you failed to do it, so for me it was my address, my home address, and it was always 6 p.m. If I traveled to Auckland and suddenly they turned up at 6 p.m. and I wasn't there, that's one strike. If you got three strikes, you were done. You're basically, um, you know, suspended. So you had to tell them where you were. They would turn up. There'd be someone sitting in your lounge uh, with, you know, a, a bag of drinks, and then someone would follow you around the house until you needed to pass a urine test. 
Um, and then when you did, hopefully it was enough because otherwise if it wasn't more than 75 mils, they were staying there for a dinner. You know, you may as well set the table because you take your next pee in two hours' time. <laughs> so there's funny stories about them turning up and we could do a whole segment on that. Those are uh, really funny things that happened to likes of Daniel Vittori at his house. But um, th- what I'm saying is that the responsibility is for the athlete. Like you're so monitored that – you, you sh- should know what's going into your body. You should always ask, and uh, it's up to you. And unfortunately, if you're caught uh, with something in your body, it's your fault. You can't really blame it on anyone else but yourself. And then to go to the links to create this story, and I'll read a couple of quotes here. I asked for a COVID-19 vaccine, but I instead received treatment for COVID-19, which included EPO. Having asked for the vaccine, there was no reason for me to believe that I was being administered was not the vaccine. Uh, Robertson submitted in his witness statement. Uh, He added that he told the consulting doctor he was an athlete and could not take prohibited substances, but was subsequently attended by another doctor. Ah, the old ghost doctor. Mm. The old ghost doctor. It was not obvious to me that the doctor administering the treatment was the same doctor. I had told that I was an athlete because we were wearing face masks, Robertson said. Well, you could have just told that doctor, I guess, as well. You could have repeated yourself. But anyway, it's quite an excuse, isn't it, Grant Elliott? And it's quite a serious topic. Um, I would like to know, Grant Elliott, what lame excuses have you used in your sporting career? (laughs) <laughs> cricketers well you're a cricketer so you've never been out LBW in your life right. cricketers are great at excuses because you can blame the sight screens you can blame the umpire you can blame the pitch you can blame the elements you can blame the ball that they're using oh I saw them you know so you do get good at excuses I think my career probably got better when I stopped my excuses because as a batter you're not in control of anything really so you've got this you know this list of excuses as soon as you get out, especially when you're younger. But um, Oh, the sun's coming down and Mitchell Stark. I, I couldn't see the ball, something like that. Oh, yeah. So one of the test matches I was playing in in Brisbane, one of the few, um, you know, facing bloody, you know, Mitchell Johnson at the end of the day sort of thing when, the, you know, it's half sun, half shadow. It's not ideal. And it's tough to get that out of your oh, head. Listen it? to it. I, I battled through it, though. I battled through it. I don't know if you remember on this particular test match, I got to the last ball of the day, Daniel. You'll remember it well. Yeah, but you, you didn't get past that ball, did you? No, I left it, and it just no, nicked the bail. And I, Stewie yeah. Clark. Leave it last ball. Knock, oh. Knocked him over. Believe in what the leave. What an end of the day. I know. You believe in the leave. Had an awful it's sleep what, that night. Awful sleep. I bet you did. After uh, oh, we want to know your uh, worst excuse used in your sporting careers. Come on, our Weekend Warriors. You've all probably come up with a weak excuse. I want you to out yourself. Be brave. I'll do the same. I've got a humiliating story that I will admit to. I don't think I've told anyone this uh, a little bit later. Ben Francis, too, will ask him. Grant Grant will, you know, weakly offer the odd excuse here and there. Uh, <laughs> but we will take a break at 20 minutes to 11. Keep your messages rolling in. Double eight, double three. Send us your... Um, Weakest excuses you've offered uh, in your sporting careers to us. And we'll be back uh, with Swinging Both Wales, our cricketing segment here on the programme. 
15 minutes away from 11 o'clock. This is the Saturday session. Daniel McCarty, Grant Elliott with you. And it is time for our cricketing segment in association with PGG Rights and Turf Key Supplies to New Zealand Cricket Grounds. We aptly call it swinging both ways as we talk the issues of the day. Uh, Mr. Elliott, uh, you were there for another Test Match victory for New Zealand against uh, Sri Lanka. Um, and a very, very convincing one after the, uh, the, the heart-stopping showpiece uh, game in Test Match number 1. Not the case second time around in Wellington. New Zealand win by an innings in 58 runs. So New Zealand's Test Summer now in the rear vision mirror. Six games played, two in Pakistan, two against England, two against Sri Lanka. They won three, they lost one and drew two. How do you rate them? Yeah, I mean, listen, that first test, Sri Lanka, if they'd won both tests, were going through to the World Test Championship final, which is hard to believe, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the way that they played in Wellington. So there was everything to play for, came down to the last ball, Captain Kane, and of course Wagner was there, you know, Braveheart was there at the end. He always seems to play a part in pivotal moments. And um, New Zealand got up there. I think maybe then Sri Lanka kind of lost the the passion or maybe the vision of kind of making that test championship and it was too hard to swallow because either played poorly in Wellington. They looked gone. They looked gone morning of day yeah. number two. We called it on the show. So there's no way this is not a New Zealand one. Yeah. And uh, I mean, listen, I feel for them because day one, the gusts were, it was gusty wind. So the difference. Sounds like a, an excuse, Grant. Yeah. Sounds like an excuse we to me. just got one now from Angelo Matthews saying, I blamed it on the wind. That was one of the, but uh <laughs> We spoke about the wind as well. It was hard not to because the cameraman came down from the scaffolding. We were just, you know, viewing it from one end as, as commentators. <clears throat> and it was it was tough going. It was tough conditions for them. They got through it anyway. Um, to win the toss, have a bowl and a green one, you think they would have thought, thank goodness. And suddenly we see two double hundreds, Williamson and Nichols, who has saved his career. I mean, I was surprised he was playing in the test, to be honest. Um, I thought that maybe they were going to, you know, put a change in with Glenn Phillips, sheer way to runs and maybe looking forward to Bangladesh series, but they didn't. They stuck with him. Shows probably the consistency of selection and maybe it builds players player, players up when they're in, in bad form. So New Zealand, right. um, I mean, yeah, they, they've had... I, I love a grade, Grant. I love a grade. Okay. You know that. Ex- I, grade them. Grade them for me. Was it a satisfactory to good performance? Uh, was it, uh, beyond that, was it a very good performance? I think uh, an it was outstanding performance. Outstanding. It was outstanding performance because not only did the test only take four days, so I had to work four instead of five. No, I'm talking about the six games. Oh, the summer. six games. Six games in, in total. Yeah, I'd say, uh, you know, above average was the, the one that you, you talk about. And the only reason being is I think they're still trying to find those bowling combinations. That probably shows. So satisfactory to good performance. Satisfactory to good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So a C plus. Gee, you're tough. Oh, you're tough. no. I, I, no. That's, I, mate, my grading scale. Come on, Grant. I've got my grading scale. What's in a front B? Of me. What's a B? Good performance. A good. Yeah, I go, but good, good. And the right. only reason why I say good is because I think that we're still trying to find that bowling. Um, the bowling combinations. Uh, Bracewell's been a good addition, obviously, with the spin and the all-round side of things. But do we need an out-and-out spinner? You know, like a, a real Jack Leach um, is the question. And then we've lost Wagner. Jamison's obviously struggling to come back, and we lost Bolt. So there's three three bowlers where you think, wow, okay, 
There's a lot of wickets gone there. So Henry has stepped up to the plate, which has been great. You know, 21 wickets at an average of 35 is looking better. He bowled with unbelievable rhythm um, in in Wellington. Uh, he really did bowl with some decent rhythm. But, you know, the combination of, let's say, Southie and Bolt, you've got one person swinging the ball away, hitting good areas, and the other one left arm over, swinging the ball in. Cricket is about partnerships and complementing. It's like having a left-hand batter and a right-hand batter at the crease. If you can find those partnerships that complement each other, it makes it that much more difficult for the opposition. So I think, you know, the the bowling is just a little bit of a question mark and we're going to get a little bit more of an insight into some of those next tier players. You know, we saw Tickner, we saw Kugelein. I was surprised that both of them kind of were elevated so quickly into test matches. I thought they were more going to be white ball players. Don't want to take anything away from them, but... You know, no one's really putting their hand up a sheer way to, you know, wickets um, in the domestic season. Um, I think Shipley is is a talent and the Canterbury stocks look good, but they're still way off the mark. They need a lot of experience. You know, when you've got someone like Dougie Bracewell who can come in, I think that that's great because you've got someone with a lot of experience. He knows how to get wickets. And in this game of cricket, you need to know how you're going to get your runs and how you're going to get your wickets. It's so important. Um you know, as a, as a bowl like Saudi, Saudi will go and bowl it outside off, outside off for three overs, and suddenly he's got his three-quarter scene that he trails one back, you know, and hits them on the pads or bowls them. Um, and a lot of young bowlers don't know. They just run in and hit the deck and they hit an area, but they don't know how to set batters up. Yeah, that's why I'm giving them a B minus, Grant. Okay. Good, good. good performance overall, but some weaknesses. Okay. Ooh. And the bowling depth. Um, and make-up of the lineup is a big problem. Right, let's dish out some awards. The player of the summer, the test player of the summer. A test player of the has summer. Has to be Kane Williamson. Has oh, to be Kane Williamson. Funny you say that, though. Um, Daryl Mitchell did score more, more runs than him. Um, but in the last six test matches. Well, in the in the test no, year. No, he didn't. 16 innings. No, no, I, I'm talking our summer. Oh, so from summer. Pakistan onwards. Yeah, well, like, it has to be Ken the, the previous series, The previous series before that was in May. That's yeah. a long time ago. Well, you have to go calendar year. I thought it's like a financial year, isn't it? You've got to rate people like that. You know, cause then no, you... no, we don't have to because I'm making the rules. Okay, yeah. Well, it has to be yeah. Kane Williamson then. I mean, you know, he... I guess he... 756 runs at 94.5 with four... Hundreds. Yeah, and he people uh, before the England Test were telling me he's out of form. There was a lot of people saying but, Williamson is out of form. He's out of neck. He's lost, nah. lost the the it's passion the way for. Down. It. But you know what? Yeah. You know what happened with Kane? He did did away with the captaincy. How good would that be? You know, he he can just be out there batting and just worrying about watching the ball and do what he does best. And I always I always maintain that when Ross Taylor was given the captaincy, um, John Wright made him captain, that was a mistake because it should have been Brendan McCullum, then it should have been Ross Taylor, and now Kane would be taking over as captain. Yes. But now that link has been broken, so now you know we're struggling to find out captain. It'll probably be split captaincy anyway going forward. But I think that, that it just takes its toll on you. You know, you have batters meetings, bowling meetings, selection meeting. Uh, you're worried about the players. You're worried about the outcome, and you're not worried about your own game. So let's give it to Kane. I think it's awesome. Return back to form, some people would say. Um, and, bowler of, and the bowler of summer has been Tim Southey. Without yep. question, in my mind, 23 wickets, um, four more than who? 
Who's number two on that list? Is it Michael Bracewell? It is Michael Bracewell. Yes. He um, can actually spin a cricket ball. I, I don't mind yeah. persevering with him a little bit more here. Uh, yeah, yeah, the economy rate, mid threes. He does bowl too many four balls for sure. Uh, hopefully he can iron that out. But he has wicket-taking uh, potential in him. Yeah, what about that? And theoretically, the he, he offers something with the bat, although it hasn't really revealed itself yet in red ball cricket uh, as of now. But Tim Southey, 23 wickets at 28. I thought he's been excellent. Matt Henry mm. also probably gets an honourable mention there. All right, the one-day series. Oh, Gary that... Stead, Gary Stead um, suggesting when he's speaking to the media during the week that he knows 12 of his 15 squad for the, uh, the World Cup. Batting depth is one issue. Well, they will get to see their batting depth with, of course, um, the likes of Phillips and Allen heading off to the IPL after game number one. Uh, Chapman comes in, Nichols come in for, for game number two and three. Um, who's got the most to prove in this series, Grant? We've only got about 60 seconds. I think it's got to be the top order. So you're looking at the top order here. I don't think that they've fully settled uh, with the likes of Finn Allen. I think that's why Chad Bowes has come in. That's why Ratchan Ravindra has come in. Remember, it's going to be in India. So Ratchan provides that left-arm orthodox. So I think all eyes on them. Uh, Henry Shipley will be an interesting one to, to watch. He had that uh, experience in India, and it'll be very fascinating to see how him and Blair Tickner uh, actually scrub up because that was a tough series. I was over there, and those wickets were like this table that I've got in the mothership, flat. So that was, that was a tough introduction, and I think that they'll enjoy uh, bowling in New Zealand conditions a lot more, a little bit of swing, um, and, you know, they can hit their areas. But I think all of these players, it's just about, you know, every single one of them, even, you know, you look at Mark Chapman, um, you know, everyone's got something to prove. Uh, it's a 15-man squad, and you want to be on the, that trip because if you get in the 15-man squad, one injury or a little blip somewhere, run a form, uh, and then suddenly you're in, you're playing in a World Cup. Brilliant stuff. Thank you very much, Grant Elliott. Um, and we'll finish our Swinging Both Ways segment with Chris's text message, Grant. It pertains to cricket. It also uh, relates to the question that we've thrown out to our listeners. In light of Zane Robinson's wild excuse, we want to hear your worst excuse that you've uh, used in your sporting careers. And Chris writes, I was on 99 on the way to my first 100, 100 chanceless. My divorce just came through on the Friday, and the umpire was my ex-father-in-law. <laughs> Only the bowler appealed. <laughs> well, that's all it needs, Chris. All you need is one person to appeal. <laughs> so he's basically he's basically blaming his father-in-law. Did he is appeal it? the divorce, or was it? Yeah. Keep your excuses <laughs> coming through. That was swinging both ways with. 11 o'clock, hope you're enjoying your Saturday morning, folks. This is the Saturday session. Grant Elliott, Daniel McCarty, Ben Francis with you through till 11.30 when Grant departs. He's calling international cricket for Spark Sport later tonight. It's uh, New Zealand up against uh, Sri Lanka. Uh, ben and I will bravely fight on. Can, can I... We'll bravely fight on. Can I talk about why, just quickly, I know we've got other things on the agenda, but can I talk about why this is actually an important one-day series? Because you might just think, yeah, oh, it's, you know, Sri Lanka versus New Zealand. It's, you know, there's nothing really on it. Um, well, there's the Cricket World Cup Super League, which you should know about, but probably don't a lot of people. So the, the top eight sides go through the World Cup. 
Now, South Africa and Sri Lanka are sitting at 9th and 10th. South Africa play the Netherlands. They play them in two games, which will send them up to 98 points if they win those, and they should. Netherlands are 13th. Sri Lanka, however, to beat South Africa, they need to they need to win all three games. So if Sri Lanka win all three games, they will then potentially go up ahead of the West Indies and South Africa and then make it into the the top eight teams, which immediately qualify, which is a qualification of India, the hosts, and the other seven teams. So if you don't make it, you then go in to play a qualifier, um, and that's the so the remaining five teams that play in a, a qualifying event along with five association teams. And from that, two sides then go through to the final tournament. So there is actually a lot on this for Sri Lanka. They need to win 3-0 to, to keep a place. And New Zealand are second, so New Zealand are through the World Cup. But, I mean, World Cup qualification is pretty big. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, of course, what, in October later this year. Thank you very much, Grant. Talking cricket here on the programme with the PGG Rights and Surf, premium suppliers of turf seed and maintenance products to cricket grounds across New Zealand. Casey Lalala is going to join us in just a moment or two, but before we get to him, let's get to the latest in, uh, headlines. Hey, David Light believes his sparring with Kiwi heavyweight junior Farr will give him the edge when he challenges Lawrence Akoli for his WBO cruiserweight title in Manchester. That's Sunday New Zealand time. Light and the reigning champion Akoli both made the provisional limit at a raucous pre-fight weigh-in. The Aucklander tipped the scales at 89.9 kgs and the lanky Briton came in at a slightly heavier 90.7 kgs. Uh, the Black Caps will hand a debut to a couple of players for the opening out one day. It would seem against Sri Lanka, as uh, Grant has pointed out. Chad Bowes, uh, the all-rounder. Uh, sorry, the, the batsman and the all-rounder, Rachin Ravindra, both set to make an appearance in the 50-over format for the first time in New Zealand during the series. Uh, Bowes will open the batting alongside Finn Allen, while Ravindra likely to slot in at number seven. The squad is without several first-choice players due to injury or Indian Premier League duties, uh, giving French members a chance to impress before that World Cup grind has pointed out is uh, fast approaching. And a memorable week for Scott Robinson, just... And the icing put on the cake. Uh, the Crusaders have beaten the Brumbies by 35 points to 17 in Christchurch. Keeping what has been uh, an unforgettable week for him. And let's not forget the uh, Chiefs held off the Waratahs 24 points to 14 in Sydney. We talk Scott Robertson. What's it like playing under him? Well, a man who uh, did cross paths. I'm not sure if they played together, Grant. We'll find out. I think they, they might have been ships in the night. One retiring, one bursting onto the scene. He went on uh, to have a fine, fine, long professional career. Former All-Black midfielder, former Crusaders midfielder. Casey Lalala is kind enough to join us here on a Saturday morning. G'day, Casey. How you doing? Morning, Casey. Hey, boys. I'm good, thanks. All good. Beautiful. Thank you for having me fi- on, uh, on the show. No, no, absolute pleasure. Treat to have you on. Where do we find you this Saturday morning? You out and about watching some sport or, or lying on the couch? Oh, just at home. I'm uh, selling houses at the moment, so uh, just getting myself ready to, before I go up to the to the open home. So it's uh, pretty calm this morning before the the storm, as they say. <laughs> oh, Grant, you know all about that. You want to give them some advice? Yeah, nice, Casey. Nice. Uh, I've actually just come from the real estate uh, side of things. Um, I actually managed uh, a few of the the agents. Forty five of you alpha agents, actually. Um, <laughs> Well, well, what are you rocking today? Are you rocking just something a little bit like chino, a little bit relaxed, or do you go full suit and tie? 
Uh, with my open homes, I think it all depends on uh, you know the type of house that you're you're selling. I think if it's a really really nice house, you know, I think it's it's you know it's a suit with a tie um, or without a tie as well. But at the moment, I'm selling a nice sweet old bungalow, and so I'm just going with jeans, um, sort of a nice t-shirt and, and a nice blazer. So it's pretty pretty informal at the same time so it's pretty it sort of fits the fits the house smooth. i like that i like that it's smooth. really smooth and not intimidating casey the other thing that i learned from some of the agents the best agents we had was they would take a little boom box and play music and there was uh you know they'd play like a light tune i reckon that really did set the mood i don't know if you you take something in and and play some of your tunes yeah well i have been doing that taking the speakers just sort of um Changes the mood, like you said, and and also, it's an old house. Um, you know, it's quite dark in there, so you know, turn the lights on, and as you do, and and put a, some nice music on. I actually took a, a box of chocolate as well, just for any kids that come in. But the adults seem nice. to be eating them all. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple offers on the way. I can I can tell Brilliant. you now, Casey. <laughs> this is fantastic. I'd like to know though, when you do rock the suit, what 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 style of suit do you go with? Do you, do you try and you know do you go extravagant like you're on NBA draft day, or is it you know three three um, piece? No, I, I've I've actually got um, some nice pieces from when I was in Paris. So, uh, and I quite like the old um, the double breasted suit. So I I love most of my 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 suits are double breasted. So, um, and I just mix and match. Um, but yeah, being in Paris and in being in that that side of the world, everything is quite cheap. So you you tap into all the Italian um, brands and you get them with, with some really good deals. Please, can you hook oh, up you Daniel, would... Casey? You need to hook up Daniel. Hey, what, what are you trying hey, to say? Oh, he's normally t-shirts and sweatpants. You know, um, you know. Oh. I think he needs a little, maybe a trip to Paris for Daniel and Casey. I. Well, I'm glad Casey yeah, did a shoot, uh, suit shopping there, with. So definitely go there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you did your suit shopping with Racing Ninety Two rather than Cardiff. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure you would have got uh, many good suits in Wales, my friend. Uh, but Scott Robinson, All Blacks coach, uh, you crossed paths with him. You played under him when he he came onto the scene as an assistant, and I think people sort of forget how long an apprenticeship this guy has actually done. Uh, but even before he got the Canterbury role, he, he was an assistant for a very long time. But but my memory sort of um, lets me down here. Did you guys ever play together, or was it you came, you arrived just as he was moving on? No, so I had a year with Razor when I first came down from uh, from Auckland. Um, so I, we managed to play for one year before he moved overseas. I think he went to Pepignon after that. Um, and then obviously we we connected when I came back, and obviously he came back. I came back in 2018 because I was coaching racing at the time, so I yeah. came back and I spent a week with him when he was coaching the, the Crusaders, and I learned so much from just being around him. Um, but yeah, he has done you know, so um, his apprenticeship and and look where he's at. So he's got a good foundation, I think. Uh, and what a week, like you said, I overheard what you guys said on the radio. What a week he's had. A great win at home and obviously getting the, the All Blacks job. Yeah, 2008, 2013 as an, as an assistant, Grant. That, that's quite a long time before getting the hand of the keys to the car, isn't it, Grant? Yeah, well, I, I've seen Casey. He's been involved in the club for 24 years, uh, Razor Robinson, so he, he's done his time. But, you know, I look back at my career as a cricket player and I think of, you know, I, I've counted. I've had 37 coaches 
in my career. And mm. of the 37 wow. coaches, I would say maybe three or four had a real impact on my career. What, what makes a, an amazing rugby head coach in your eyes? Well, I think, you know, for, for in my time, you know, Robbie Dent is still my main man. You know, I played under yeah. him and obviously Razor did as well. And I'm pretty sure, like, Razor and, and Robbie still talk a lot. Um, and, you know, like, I haven't had many coaches, but those are the guys that, um, and it all comes down to the culture they create. I mean, the Crusaders have created this culture that's just um, year after year they produce um, and it's, it all comes down to trust and care. Um, and and, and, and the, the biggest thing, the difference is with us here is what that looks like and being able to live those values. Because there is no secret to it. Everything's on Google. But it's just living those, those values and doing what you say you're going to do every day. And so I think and the, one of the biggest things I realized with these guys is also they're so good at bringing the best out of out of the um, out of the boys, and and they ha- and they hold really really high standards as well. So, you know, you live those every day, and you know it's the 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 result is always going to be a winning formula. So, do you think, Casey? Then it's a matter of a lot of the stuff. The reason why the Crusaders and maybe Scott Robertson's a part of why he would be an amazing coach is it's the off-field stuff. You know, all the stuff you do prior to the game. The skills and that are probably, you know, pretty much the same when you look at teams and everyone's got the same sort of talent. But it's more the stuff that they do outside. Like I know that they talk about, you know, physical touch, as in like, you know, when you greet someone in the morning, it's a handshake or a fist pump or a high five or whatever. Get into their physical space to make you feel closer to them because there's a lot of like cross-cultural barriers that you have to get through as well in in today's modern life. Yeah, no, totally. And I think and I think it goes deeper than that as well. It's just caring for the person as well. Is their family all right? You know, because a lot of things sort of um, gets in the way when boys come to training. Because we, you want the boys to turn up to training and they're present and, they're, they're, you know, they have the buy-in. I think that's the biggest thing is getting the buy-in in everything that they do. And by doing that, it's obviously looking after their families, make sure, making sure that their wives are happy. Um, it's just those little things that that, um, that helps bring the whole team together. And I think if you have a strong team, it's so easy to go through the 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 strategy of what you're going to do because you're going to have the buy-in of everyone. As soon as somebody doesn't feel comfortable about the strategy, for example, you know he's got the 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 vulnerability and also the trust to say, "Hey guys, I actually don't agree with what we're going to do today," and in in making sure that he's on board as well. So when you go on the field or do whatever, everyone's on the same page. And I think that is very, very important. Mm. Um, and that goes beyond just getting that right. It's building the team is also caring outside and making sure that the families are in a good place and then the, the boys will, will turn up and, and, and do whatever, you know, what's best for the team. Yeah, no, I, th- I think all of those things um, Scott Robertson definitely does exhibit and, and he, he pushes through with the team. But what is it that he's going to bring that you think is going to be different to this All Blacks generation that he will, he will be coaching? Um, 
is is the emotional connection you know because he always speaks with a lot of emotions he really does like immerse himself in the culture what what is that special thing about scott robertson that you think we will see i think with any successful you know coach it all comes down to you know his his relationship with with everyone and i think at the moment he will bring the the, the new zealand union together just because of who he is. Um, and I think at the moment, the New Zealand Union is a little bit, you know, all over the show. And I think once the board, everyone's in together, it, and I think that's one of um, Razor's strength is, is, the, is the ability to bring people together. Obviously, there's, you know, the skill set of obviously being a good coach. But if you don't have the togetherness of, of a group, it's so hard to, to get something going in the, in the same direction. And I think for him, for me, just seeing him, what he's done in the Crusaders and carrying it on, um, the legacy, is that he's so good at bringing people together. And I think that, mm. is, that is his biggest sort of point of difference. Because at the moment, it's just the board, you know, you, you have the All Blacks and you have the Ferns, and I think he's going to come in and just bring everyone together. Because New Zealand rugby is not, it's not what it is at the moment, you know? Like, and I think him coming in, it's a really good um, move for the for New Zealand Union. Yeah, Casey, I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, the way I described it to Grant a little bit earlier in the program, is I, I sense a real disconnect at the moment between fans and uh, the game overall. And, and I, I see yes. the All Blacks coach's role in some way as a salesman. Just the way you talk to the public, I, I think they can sort of, um, you know, a new energy, a new tone um, actually might, um, you know, bear some fruit o- on that uh, side. But, you know, ha- having, you know, played with him, uh, co- uh, been coached by him, uh, we-, we all know that the smiling Scott Robertson ha- has a joke here and there. But what, behind closed doors, is there a bit of a mean streak? Everyone needs a coach who can- screams at you, Casey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, any any good coaches, you know, when, when you have a good environment, there's, tough conversations that needs to, to, to have. And honestly, they're not, and then also they're not scared of having those conversations. Um, and they'll give it to you straight as, as anything, because obviously at the end of the day, we all got to remember, you know, the team always comes first. So when we're in there and it's, and it's time to train, it's time to, to, you know, get things done, it's on. And everyone knows in that group that whatever decision that needs to be made is always for the best of the team. So, Again, and, 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 and when everyone's on the same page, it's so easy to have those, those tough conversations. And Razor's really good at that. And so he's got that, that sort of side as well where he's, you know, laughing with the boys. But when it's on, the boys know where they stand and where he stands. Because when it comes to the, to the crunch, he's going to pick someone that's, um, you know, that's going to be what's best for the team at that, that present moment. And then you just have to keep earning your way through. Casey, one of the things I think is important is not only Daniel said that they've got a dark side or um, a more aggressive side when you get things wrong, but selection. What is Razor's selection mm. policy like? Is he quite consistent in backing the people that he initially backs or does he make players more accountable and if they don't step up to the plate, he does you know, rotate them in and out? I think it, it's, 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 it's really, really fair. Um, what I mean by that is, it's you've got guys there. They they have earned their way and they've played so so well under him. 
and you'll always go to those boys. Again, that doesn't, you know, the way the the way the team is under him is that everyone everyone deserves to be there, and at any given moment, you know, you can have you can have access to a game with some, you know, through injuries and and, and things like that. But you know, just like any any great coaches, you know, the boys who does go into the trenches with they always turn up for him as well. So, and they've earned it. And and like I said before, the team always comes first. And in saying that, I've seen through the years as well where an All Black and where he's made a, a big change, where someone young, um, first season in the Crusades, where he's made the change to, to play him in the semis of the final. So, again, because, of, like I said before, the team always comes first. And when, it, when it's time to make those um, decisions, you know he'll make this decision, but it's it's really really fair. You you point out all the the you know the the positive stuff and why this decision is is made, and then and then compared to you know and then and then put it in front of the of the player that you know that's not going to get the access time in that week. Does that make sense? You know, like it's it's really it it's done properly. It it's structured. Absolutely. It, it, yeah, it's structured. It's not like, hey, mate, you're not going to play. Look, put you down. Put you down. <laughs> yeah. Why you, you, you suck. Why you you're dropped. Doing? Yeah. Hey, Casey, yeah. wonderful <laughs> to hear you, boys. Thanks so much for dropping by and dropping some knowledge on us and giving us a little bit of insight into the new coach. Really do appreciate it. I'm thinking Scott Robertson, he likes to surf. You've got a little bungalow you're looking to sell. Maybe beach. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, no, thanks for having me on, boys. And, uh, and uh, yeah, talk to you guys soon. Oh, Casey, th- thanks a lot. And uh, good luck with those open homes, brother. Dominate them. <laughs> well done, mate. Well done. <laughs> thanks. Back. Cheers, mate. Bye. I think you're back now, Daniel. Lala. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm I think, back. I, I was just going to tell him to to download the Beach Boys uh, album Pet Sounds, yes, one of the greatest albums of all to time. Sell. Play that, play that in the bungalow today. Yeah, I, th- I think that would work for him nicely. I think these breaks in uh, communication, it might be Ben Francis because we've got this whole bromance going now, and he's like, no, well, you know, give Grant a chance, and he's just oh, he's I cutting can... the mic, maybe. Um, I do cut you off a lot. Could be. <laughs> no, well, Daniel, I I am going to get myself an Uber. I think like the that was awesome to hear Casey. I think you know listening to the Black Caps and the way they create the environment, the All Blacks environment under uh, Razor Robinson, I think sounds very consistent to that. Um, and I think it's it's the new generation of of players coming through. They need comfort. They need belief. They need you know some that relationship with their coach. Um, and it sounds like that's what they're going to get. It was a really good insight, I thought, from Casey into Razor Robinson and maybe all those people that doubt him as a coach for what he'll, he will bring in this modern era of sport. Well, one thing you have to do, though, is sit through this ad break, Grant, that we're going to throw to, and then the, on, the, on the other side, Ben Francis and myself will uh, admit to our biggest excuses that we have used in our sporting careers. <laughs> are, are you wait. ready for them? Well, I mean, it must be a long list, surely. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I did struggle to get mine down to, to the ones I'm going to tell you. Uh, we will take a break. Thanks to Casey Lalara again. It's 20 minutes after 11 o'clock. Stay with us. The Saturday session rolls on. Our best, worst, probably is a more apt term, sporting excuses coming up after the break. 
25 minutes after 11 o'clock, this is the Saturday session. Daniel McCarty and Ben Francis now with you. Uh, Grant, you couldn't even be bothered waiting through that break to hear our stories, Ben. Uh, I think the bromance is officially over. I, I think he's the third wheel now, isn't he? Oh, he might be. He might have to be. Ah, oh. the naughty. Where's my naughty book? Over here. You're going to make him write some lines when he, come, when he oh, comes he's, back. <laughs> he's already on there. He's already on there. He's already top of the list. He's 1 and 1A now. Crikey. Wasn't that, that hard long to wait, was it? Are we that boring? Must be. <laughs> uh, Zane Robinson had a, a reasonably interesting excuse during the week um, as he tried to mitigate the damage of his uh, failed d- uh, d- doping test. It was a shocker. Uh, we're trying to find some light-hearted stories out there to bring some goodness back to this world. Uh, the best sporting excuse you have used in your career. There's a question for you. We had that absolute beaut in the last hour about well, a, a guy on the way to a, a magnificent hundred until um, the father-in-law gave him out. Miraculously, after a day, um, his divorce came through. Now, I don't know if there's any semblance of truth in it, but it's a magnificent excuse. Um, double eight, double three, temper bed post text machine. If you want to out yourself, uh, feel free. Uh, ben Francis. What terrible, and I'm sure your, I, I bet your excuses are a little bit weak. What have you come up with? Well, my only excuse I could really think of off the top of my head was when I was uh, at high school when I was part of playing basketball and we had a game on a Friday night. I believe it was 2012, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and it was about 9.30 at night and I live about half an hour away from the school I went to so I was kind of thinking to drive, go all the way back home and drive all the way back and then another like 45 minutes to the stadium and I looked at the schedule and the Warriors were playing the West Tigers and I thought, oh, I don't want to miss that. <laughs> I don't want to miss that highly, highly anticipated matchup. So I pretended I was sick so I could stay home and watch the Warriors lose. Oh, and they lost. Yeah, they of lost. they did. But do you know what the funny thing of is, Daniel? They did. The next week, I actually was sick. And what, you tried to play? No, I, I, I had to say I was sick again, and that's when they go, hmm, something's not right here. Mm, something's not right with this bloke. He's got the heart the size of a pea. <laughs> <laughs> so you put the Warriors West Tigers round robin play ahead of your side. The links you will go to. What a great teammate. What a wonderful teammate. Well, Mine's somewhat embarrassing. Or you could say I'm a, quite, we could say I'm just loyal to the Warriors. Yeah. Stupidly so. He is New Zealand's number one one New Zealand Warriors fan. I think I got it right first time this week. I'm just trying to I'm just trying That's to look impressive. up. The score was uh, they lost twenty four twenty two. What, a last-minute try? I think it was a last-minute try which got, which got the Warriors for them too. The Warriors are out of it. It was a last-minute try which made it somewhat respectable. All right, fantastic stuff. Uh, mine's a, of a similar era. Oh, I can't believe I'm telling this story. Um, cricket field, I was fielding at mid-off. And um, shall I say delicately, uh, Ben Francis, there was a spectator who was of great interest to me at the time. Are you, are you picking up what I'm laying down there, Ben? Maybe. Please elaborate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so a spectator there was of particular interest. Um, the ball was hit to me at mid-off. Um, I took an absolute screaming catch at mid-off, diving full length. And I was like, well, that's that. that's surely going to make me far more appealing, having taken a catch like that. So I faked a finger injury to go off the field so I could 
rub shoulders with the spectator of particular interest? Who was the spectator? Well, we don't need to know her name. We do. No, we don't. No, we don't. We do not. We do not. Um, was it yes. Helen, Helen Clark? I was, I was also captain <laughs> of the team. I was captain of the team. So uh, this, is pretty, this is pretty poor. Yeah, fingers really sore after that amazing catch. I need to go off for a little bit. Sauntered on off. Uh, for the record, it didn't help me one bit. But that was that. When I look back at my sporting career of worst excuses I came up with, that was right. That's right at number one. That's that's top of the list. That's, that's I look back and I'm like, that's pathetic. That's pathetic, man. I suggest you take a couple of minutes here, Daniel, on the break, just to reflect on what you've done. <laughs> so if you've got a a, a weak ass sporting excuse you've used over the years, we want to hear from you. Come on, our weekend warriors, play your part. Own up, out yourself. Double eight, double three. You might have skipped class or a game of basketball like Ben Francis. So you can watch the Warriors lose and left your team high and dry. I'd love to get your thoughts. Um, we love hearing from you on the Temper Bed Post text machine on double eight, double three. Please get those messages coming through. Uh, Temper Bed Post, uh, range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body. So you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Uh, we've got a wonderful guest uh, joining us up after the break. He is an absolute legend of international rugby, former Wallabies captain, superb player. Not much he could not do. Uh, well, he's leading a very, very important charge these days to help uh, with uh, concussion identification um, and, and more broadly uh, mental well-being. Uh, a man who suffered heavily with head knocks in his own uh, playing uh, yes, he is the former Wallabies captain, Sterling Mortlock's going to join us after this break. 25 minutes away from 12 o'clock, this is the Saturday session. Great to have your company here on SENZ. Our, our next guest is a special one. Absolutely delighted to welcome him into the programme. There wasn't much he could not do on a rugby field, whether it's leading his country, winning Super Rugby titles, winning Super Rugby Player of the Year, whether it was intercepting and breaking the hearts of New Zealanders at World Cups. Uh, incredible career, um, one that was um, heavily impacted by head knocks and concussions. Well, these days, our next guest is um, big on investing into uh, emerging technologies to help revolutionise how concussion and other mental health issues can be identified and managed. We are utterly delighted and privileged to welcome into the show Mr Sterling Mortlock, who joins us. Sterling, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure to be here, Daniel. I had to get the Carlos intercepts in there somewhere, didn't I? Um, yeah, we we, no. we have long memories over here. We have long memories over here. You, you do. Um, I'm really thankful that I, that I did play in some amazing matches, and um, thankful that occasionally some good things happened in some of those. Games. That was one of the occasions. Um, it's funny. A lot of Kiwis. That's all they say to me, um, and we've got even Kiwi uh, shareholders in our business. And every time I see them, they say, "We still haven't forgiven you, still though." Um, but you know, funnily enough, I think about I think about uh, it's almost uh, you know seventy five percent of the test matches that I played against New Zealand I lost. Um, so you got to cherish those ones that you win, that's for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Sterling, uh, incredible career you did have, but as I said at the top, it was um, impacted by something you uh, are deeply passionate about by the, um, by the sounds. I'm really keen to get into what uh, uh, 
iGUIDE technologies are doing at the very face of identifying concussions and, either, uh, and other mental health issues. But can, can I just revert back to you just elaborating to us, you know, why this is such a personal story for you of, of how impacted you were in your playing days? Oh, it's pretty simple. Um, I, I, I would imagine I had at least 10 concussions through my career and there was two instances where I had to stand down from, from playing because I had uh, a couple of repeated concussions. And when you have, you know, the side effects and long-term sim- uh, symptoms and side effects that, that go with that, it's, it's quite frightening. And, um, you know, it impacts, not, it, it impacts your whole entire life. You can't sleep very well. Um, you can't concentrate very well. You get irritable. All these, all these things impact your whole entire life and well-being. And so it's, <clears throat> sorry, it's, it's a, it's a huge stigma of contact sports. That, and, and I guess I'm really happy with the way that a lot of the national governing bodies in all different sports are addressing it and making sure their protocols are more robust and the awareness is, is there on, on how to identify it and more importantly how to have really robust return to play protocols. But from my perspective. If I had something like eye guide, which objectively measures your brain health, and a really simple process that does it in ten seconds, uh, that would have just provided huge peace of mind and comfort to me personally and my family. It would have been a great assistance um, with all of the medical staff and, and everyone returning in, in, in regards to returning to play. Um, I see that as being the, the big, the big win here. That this is uh, a really cost-effective way it, it doesn't cost a lot for this technology it could be in every community team every club every school and effectively what happens is that the neurological passport that every single participant can have and you can measure them for your whole entire life and then just it gives you gr- greater ability to have better informed decisions i want to drill down on the technology in just a moment but i completely agree and, and I, I do think it's one thing in modern uh, days uh, we can really give a lot of credit to rugby um, overall uh, is this um, absolute sort of uh, desire to try to make the game safer and, and head knocks especially. Uh, in, in your times, what, I'm not sure if this is the right choice of word, was it, was it sort of the Wild West with regard to assessing at the times? I always remember famously there was a... Um, Super Rugby final um, in 2006, Hurricanes versus the Crusaders. The Fog finals is known. Pity Weeper uh, gets horribly me. knocked out, horribly knocked out. Everyone saw it on TV. The doctors on the other side of the field, I think it was Ian Murphy, ran over. And by the time he got to the player, he presented no um, obvious symptoms. And he said, right, right you can carry on. Um, yeah, it, it seemed like doctors acting in good faith just didn't have... Um, enough available to them to make the right judgment. Is that a fair way of describing it? Oh, I, I think it was both sides of the coin, um, and, and this is the way I always phrase it. Uh, coaches want to coach, players want to play. And in that era that I came through, it was absolutely, uh, uh, you know, unless your, your leg was broken or something was extremely wrong, you needed to stand up and be in the defensive line. And... So sometimes you would just automatically get back up, even though you had had, a, had suffered a, a decent head knock or a, a potential concussion, just because that's the way you, it was ingrained. I, I really uh, am really thankful and happy that, that that's not the case nowadays. Everyone in, in, in a lot of games that have you know, collision sports, 
they know that, that this that's not the methodology. You know, if you suffered that, bang, you need to be assessed and you need to have a HIA protocol or, or a SCAP treatment, uh, SCAP protocol straight, straight away. So I, I guess to answer your question, only one time when I had, you know, those 10 concussions that I mentioned, one time uh, I didn't come off. And actually that that was probably, in my opinion, the, the worst long-term side effects. So it was in a game against the, the Chiefs and I actually it was friendly fire. I actually, I had a massive collision with George Smith going into a ruck. And so no one really saw it because it was, you know, Brumby on Brumby. And I just went straight back into the into the you know into outside centre defensive line, and no one really saw it. And I just kept going, and effectively played you know twenty odd minutes longer concussed. Mm. Um, and, and, and then I actually had to have a week or so or two off afterwards because it was terrible the side effects long term. Um, every other time the medical staff were right there on me and got me off, and I didn't come back onto the field. Um, so I was very thankful and lucky that I did get the, the quality of care in all of those scenarios. Um, what I found really, really difficult, though, was when you have, uh, you know, a, a broken bone, you get a scan and it confirms that, or you, or you've got a muscle tear, or a ligament strain, you get a, you get an MRI or whatever, you get the scan and it confirms it, and you go back and you say, no, look, more than likely I'm out for four weeks or whatever the number is. When it comes to brain health, there really hasn't been a lot of digitization and ways to objectively quantify what's going on. Uh, and that's why I really love what iGuide is doing, that that this is just another tool that objectively quantifies your brain health. And more mm. importantly, it really sets an objective baseline for you. Every individual will have a different baseline. And even if you're, uh, you know, if you're fatigued, that baseline, it'll come back lower as well. So it actually monitors your brain health, not just, you know, not just the health of concussions. And so when we saw that and went through it, and I went through it and had a, you know, a test of it, I was like, okay, I get this. This is going to be more important for integrating back into word, word you know, uh, uh, return to play protocols and, and helping people to say, look, I'm not right. I feel like I'm almost there, but look, here's my test result, bang. Um, so there's that objective data point that helps provide weight to everyone um, that, that, no, you know, Sterling shouldn't go back. Uh, we need to wait until he's ready. iGuide Technologies, you're a firm believer in it. You've invested in it. Um, how, how does it work? Like, like for our weekend warriors, if they're if they're at a game, um, and that's what what I'm guessing what you'd like to see that this per it's down at all levels, that it's um, available to all clubs eventually. So how does it work? How does it operate? Work us through the the mechanics of it. Yeah, it's really simple. So it's just. Uh, uh, it's a simple, fast, non-invasive digital eye test. So it basically captures uh, in 10 seconds, you literally look at an iPad screen. And then while you're following this dot on the iPad screen, a camera captures 1,200 images of the player's eye movement. That then goes straight away immediately to assess the brain function. And it's really noticeable when you're concussed or when your brain isn't functioning optimally and especially if you, you know ideally you've got a baseline and then you, then you can see really clearly when you're when you're not not right um but even when you don't have a baseline say for instance an away player comes in to the change room and they want to test them it will be really noticeable that their, that their ocular function is way way off 
and people can't manipulate a system here. It is what it is. No. I'm thinking about no. of yesteryear. There were yeah. those sort of cognitive tests prior to a season where people would deliberately. I know, I know this for a fact. Rugby players would deliberately make sure they get a lower score. So if they had a head knock during the game, they might pass it. So, so this takes it out. The theory of manipulation should be removed from from the equation. Exactly, and that's why I loved it too. So uh, there is no fun fudging. You can't fudge your baseline at all. And it, 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 the test actually says you've got to do it again, and you can see the result. You can actually see that your tracking was it was nowhere near what it should have been. Um, so I, I tried to fudge my. <laughs> I, I had a bit of a play around, tried to fudge it, and I couldn't. Uh, it just came up and said, "Do the test again, please," and it showed that showed the result that it was, it was a non-result. Um, so to me, yeah, that that was the whole thing. Every every season. You know, you do your baseline testing, and as I said at the beginning, you know, players want to play. So that baseline testing, you'd go hard, but you wouldn't go too hard, right? Because you don't want to step out too high. Um, whereas something like this, I guide, there is no way you can fudge that result. Your baseline will be your baseline, and then from there onwards, you know, you've got a really objective data point to say this is when I'm functioning at optimal, you know, optimal capacity, and unfortunately, I'm not there. So I need to rest. It's really simple. Did you try to fudge your own results when you were playing? Uh, no, no. I, I guess what I'm saying is every preseason you would just go, you would do the test, but you wouldn't try to win the test or beat everyone else. Right. Just, go and do, yeah. Yeah. You know, just like, do it. it. Just finish it. It wasn't correct. It, it wasn't. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's one of those tests where you don't want to be the gold medal winner, basically. Put it that way. Um, <laughs> Whereas every other test, you know, you're in a you're in a hot performing environment, a team dynamic, mate. Blokes want to beat you in everything. So, um, but it's really, it, it actually really is interesting. On on the eye guide test, I actually really wanted to concentrate really hard to get it to get it sorted. After I tried to fudge it, I was like, okay, well, I better sort this out. Um, so yeah, I just I just really like the fact that that a you 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 can't fudge your baseline, you know. You, You've got to do that, and it's objectively measuring that baseline. And then, B, from then, from then onwards, you will have a neurological passport with you, which, you know, even for me, um, I, I've participated in a, in, a, in a concussion, you know, brain uh, research project. Uh, I only did that uh, a few months ago. That whole process was fantastic for me. I, I, you know, it was four hours. Uh, I did a, a really an hour, a really accurate brain MRI and then three hours of, of neurological tests, memory tests, short-term, medium-term memory tests, and all these different stuff that, including, including a, a, a ocular motor function test as well. Um, and that was fantastic for me to go through that process and to go through that because you know the the, the research, uh, the doctor said no, you know, like he gave me my results and everything else. But every five years from now, I will be doing that. Um, and again, that's going to provide me a lot of comfort. Um, mm. However, if I had had an eye guide, you know, neurological passport for my playing days, and could be doing it now, I would just love that because it would provide me a lot more peace of mind. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you've stated you like to see this a bit like defibrillators, you know, out in public settings. But we all know defibs are expensive. Not every club has access to them. So, for people listening, whether they're administrators of sports or looking after their own clubs, uh, and they want to know more about iGuide, where, where does one turn? Uh, you can you could basically 
I guess there's two ways. I guide, I guide technologies, their website, or XB Capital, our business. XB Capital, our website. Connect with us and we can connect you with iGuide or directly through iGuide Technologies. Um, mm. But yeah, it's it, it's something that we we will be accelerating them throughout Australia, New Zealand, and, and Japan to start with. Um, but but also iGuide is accelerated up in the UK and, and will be going to North America as well. So it, it, it's something that we see as a huge problem in, in contact sport. Uh, we just want to we want to provide a lot more uh, uh, comfort to everyone. Participating, and obviously all the parents. That that if we if we have something like I guide in every community, uh, every school, it will provide a huge amount of comfort that the, the kids aren't putting themselves in harm's way when they shouldn't be. Wonderful stuff, Sterling. Um, I, I've got to ask. It's a pretty big year in rugby, twenty twenty three. How well placed? How well <laughs> placed to you, Aussies? You've got about ten seconds or less. Oh, I, I, I actually saw Eddie Jones yesterday. Um, there are there's a lot of talented players out there. But I just think, uh, I think we'll, it'll be a tough challenge for us. But Eddie is certainly the right person to get the best out of us in this short period of time yeah. in the World Cup. Sterling, thank you so much for joining us and sharing the story of iGuide. I, I'm fascinated to see how this uh, progresses. Uh, keep up the fine work. Thanks for joining us here on ECNZ. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Minus, minus Elliot, who's scarped off to Eden Park to cover a one-day international. How very dare he. Light up with makeup. Uh, ben Francis and I will be with you for another hour and five minutes. It's five minutes away from 12 o'clock. I'm about to head to the break. Our sporting headlines coming up very shortly. Chris Millicic to talk about the All Whites up against China. Uh, second uh, international tomorrow in the thriving metropolis that is Wellington. A couple of texts though. Robertson's a expletive. Now this is the runner one. Don't, don't confuse him. First time I've taken it and you get tested and caught. First time. Yeah, right. That's a two ad board. Well, Cookie writes, would Peter Vlanders let the New Zealand game of rugby amble along with all this fan disconnect? Look at what he did for the league and what he's done for racing in New South Wales. Put the right person in the seat and they can change the game and its direction. Just my take. Mark Robinson is not that guy. Thank you very much, Cookie. Do appreciate your thoughts on double eight, double three. Keep your messages rolling in. Want to hear your best sporting excuses too. Oh, happy afternoon. We're into the afternoon, people. One hour to go. Good oil to take over from one o'clock. Fear not, relax. You only have to suffer through me for another round. Shut me up by playing a part. You can always pick up the phone, 0800 150 811. You can now fire in a text, double eight double three. And we want to, to hear from you today on your um, best sporting excuses that you've used. It might be to get out of a game like Ben Francis. Like me to get off the field to impress someone. Didn't work. Should, should uh, I... Or you you could just blame the shadows for leaving the last ball of a day and getting bowled like Grant Elliott did. Should, should Blaming I... shadows. Should I tell the story I told you off here, Daniel, the one that I forgot about? About, wow. How... Are you ready for the fallout? No, well, there's no fallout. She knows. <laughs> okay, sure. Okay, good. So... Yeah. Yes. Yes. All right, so some other sporting excuse was I had a game of darts to play one night for, for the club and uh, I'd be messaging who, who is now my fiance uh, to, to meet up and I had she, she was being real difficult to try and meet and 
uh, eventually she said, oh, we'll do it this night. And I hadn't heard from her the whole day. So I was like, I'll, I'll go play darts. And I got there, was starting to warm up. And then she messaged me saying, oh, we're still meeting up. And I was like, oh, wow. oh, oh, I'm here. And I was really awkward and I didn't know what to do. So I was like, oh, guys, I actually can't play tonight. Sorry, guys. My, my dad needs my help at, at work. Uh, and then I just bolted it. <laughs> Why couldn't you tell them the truth? I don't know. I was I was freaking what out. What was so wrong with What was so wrong with telling them the truth? Well, I, I don't know. I was just nervous. They would what think what they would think you're a nice guy, and, and, and who then, actually considers the feelings of his significant other. And, well, she wasn't my significant other other at the time. She right, is now, yeah. but but then the funny yeah. thing is, the next next week I go there and they said, "Oh, did you help? Was helping your dad okay?" And I'm like, "Sorry, what?" And you're like, "What? what? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right." <laughs> oh, oh, that lie I told you last week. Yeah, that that, that yeah that that lie went great, unbelievable. Built a new house, and then I uh, invoiced him for eighty dollars an hour with GST. <laughs> Something oh, like that. Nice love story though. Now, like I said, now yeah. engaged. So there we go. Fantastic, lovely love story. Shame about the darts team, left high and dry. Your own uh, sporting excuses you have used in your uh, times, double eight, double three. Uh, please let us know. Let's have some fun. It is a Saturday after all. Uh, let's get to the headlines at the top of the hour as we reset things. Hey, disappointment for New Zealand football fans um, and Wellington fans in particular. All-white striker Chris Wood won't play the second game against China tomorrow in the capital. Uh, Wood missed the opening game in Auckland, of course, on Thursday uh, with a thigh injury. Interim coach Darren Baisley has confirmed that Wood has left the country to continue treatment um, back with his English Premier League club, Nottingham Forest. Now, why is it disappointing? Well, A, we don't play a lot of games here in New Zealand, do we? Uh, B, he's one of the very best who have ever done it for New Zealand. And C, who knows how many more opportunities we will get to see him playing on these shores based on the schedule, or lack of them, over the last few years. You can understand um, scant opportunity. Um, I, I hope I'm proven wrong by New Zealand football over the years to come. More football to come with Chris uh, Milicic as we talk about the All-Whites uh, more broadly ahead of that uh, second game against China. Also, uh, Wallabies coach Eddie Jones has criticised New Zealand for, ha- for the handling of Scott Robinson's appointment as All Blacks coach, saying the timing was inappropriate with Foster still in charge. New Zealand rugby confirmed this week that Robinson would succeed Foster following the World Cup. Jones um, uh, added rugby was becoming more ruthless in dismissing coaches for underperformance. He, he mentioned a line, Ben Francis, of, you know, it only takes three or four bad games and they're looking to kick you out. Two things I would I would argue about specifically in Foster. He's been in there for four years. <laughs> Quite a run of games to judge someone on. I would have thought. Well, how's he? And uh, let's not forget, let's not forget people. Eddie Jones was also sacked from England. Well, how's Eddie Jones uh, going to get in judged December this year when they've only? But then, Eddie jo- but then Dave Rennie got sacked, so Eddie Jones could take his job. You know, it happens. This weird thing called professional sport. Sorry, Ben, you were going to ask. I was going to say, so how long is Eddie Jones going to last in considering Australia have a pretty easy run, you'd have to say, to what? The Rugby World Cup semi-finals? Oh, to the semis. Yeah. Exactly. But listen to Sterling Mortlock there. Do, do you sense Eddie Jones is already sort of, oh, you know, don't know, you know, trying to temper expectations within the, uh, you know, within the, the big figureheads of Australian rugby? I actually... Oh, yeah, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of young talent here. Uh, you know, maybe not this year. This morning I actually traumatised myself by watching the intercept with Sterling Mortlock and it was quite fascinating (laughs) seeing uh, 
Eddie Jones with a bit more hair on the top of his head. <laughs> Eddie. I, and, I, and I'm giving him grief. I, I think Eddie Jones is a wonderful character uh, for rugby, really, has always been. You know, get, Just go watch that masterclass of a, a press conference in the lead-up to the All Blacks Test match and, uh, before the last World Cup, in the semi-final when they beat us. He just throws so many curveballs out there. And, and we, the media, absolutely lapped it up. It completely took all the focus off his team in that, in that whole week. He can be a very smooth operator, but he uh, rankles. I, I guess he's quite an authentic individual. He's true to himself, and not everyone loves him. Uh, the Brisbane Broncos are the only team with four wins from four in the NRL. Let that soak in, Ben Francis. Mm, let it run over you. I'm going to repeat it. It sounds that good. The Broncos, the Brisbane Broncos, the one and only team in Brisbane, are the only team four from four in the NRL as they beat their newest Queensland rivals. Who? Who are they? The Dolphins. Never heard of them. 18-12. Oh, you make me feel sick, Daniel. Who are the Dolphins? Ah. The Broncos are led early in the second half, only for the Dolphins to take the lead, but Kevin Walters' side battle back to win and sit atop the NRL ladder. I guess Kevin Walters is a good coach again. So I'll just wait wait till the Broncos crumble at the back end of the season again, Daniel. It will happen. Mm, four from four. Yeah, that's fine. They, they were doing well last year, and then what did they lose? What, their last six in a row? And completely choked and missed out. So yeah, I'm that's fair. That, that's fair. So I, I can wear credit. I can wear criticism like this. And in fairness, I do know who the Dolphins are. The Dolphins are that new franchise who will win the NRL before the Warriors do, right? <laughs> oh, mate, you're, yeah, you're, you're funny. You're funny. <laughs> Did you hear that tone, ladies and gentlemen? Did you hear that tone? That cut. That cut a little bit deeper. Speaking of cut, like the, the finger I sliced on Monday, cleaning a knife. Bad cut, Ben. Uh, uh, Shall I hold you? That barb that, did I did I tell you I took pretty much took the top of my thumb a few Saturdays ago? Was it when you were helping your dad out after a, <laughs> you know a darts game? <laughs> no, I actually can't play darts at the moment. But no, I was I was I was in the I was in the kitchen. What did you do? So my partner, she was doing, she's got house plants, you know, like philodendrons and all those other fancy things. And she has like these wooden stakes to hold them up. And she said, oh, can you cut this one to, um, so you can hold my plant? So I was cutting it with a knife and it pretty much slipped and went halfway across my thumb. And the, the skin Ouch. was hanging there. Blood was just squirting out everywhere. Oh, no. I was at the A&E to about 3 a.m. Oh, I feel ill. <laughs> Squirting like the movies. Pretty, yeah, it was. I, like a actually, scene of Monty Python, there, the life it, of Brian. I no, actually, not life of Brian, the meaning of life. <laughs> There's actually, I actually noticed this morning. There's actually still blood in the bathroom. <laughs> I, was like, I didn't know it was there. <laughs> well, you'd be hopeless cleaning up a crime scene, wouldn't you? Oh, God, I just left a little blood there. That's fine. Brilliant stuff. Thank you very much. Uh, 
Where are we? We're going to talk some football. Chris Milicic, uh, I think uh, Ben's going to dial him up in just a moment or two, and we'll talk uh, about the state of New Zealand football. Um, we're going to take a break first, of course, because we've got racing later this afternoon. That's right. So time-specific pro- uh, programming. What I mean by that, we've got race one from Tauranga at 12.30. So we'll take that for a few uh, racing junkies out there. Good luck on the punt today. Uh, after this break, though, we'll talk some football on the all-white specifically with Chris Milicic. No Grant Elliott right now because he's now at Eden Park ahead of the first one-day international between New Zealand and Sri Lanka. Daniel McCarty and Ben Francis with you through to the top of the hour. We're going to talk some football now, international football to be exact. And we're delighted to welcome our super coach, UEFA uh, licensed coach, Mr Chris Millichit, good friend of the station. Chris, great to hear your voice again. Keep well on this Saturday. Yeah, not bad, Daniel. Getting ready for my game this afternoon, but all good. Oh, who you got today? Tell, tell us all about it. Uh, we got Auckland United at Keith A Park at 3 o'clock, so it'll be an interesting start. They're one of the, the better teams in the Northern Premier League, and of course, we're, we've only just come up from Div 1 a year ago, so we're still trying to find our feet in the comp properly. It seems like a pretty stacked competition, the Northern Premier League this year. It seems like there's been quite some interesting recruitment. Is it shaping up as quite a tasty, tasty league, you would think? Oh, I think it will be a tasty league. Uh, I think uh, Auckland City will do an Auckland City thing, but it depends whether they decide to rest a whole bunch of players after their mammoth sort of off-season going to the Club World Cup, etc. Uh, but I think, you know, there there's, doesn't look to be any sort of weak sides in it this year, and so I think it'll be really tight. How's your group looking? Uh, we're all right. You know, we recruited some talented young players, and we're hoping they kick, out, uh, kick into gear and do some, uh, some fun stuff this year. The reality is, you know, all clubs are trying to get better and better, and it depends, are you getting better quicker than the other groups? Uh, indeed. All right. So have you got a galvanising speech, you know, before the first game of the of the season ready to go? Will be there some table I thumping? I don't do motivation, mate. If players at this level can't motivate themselves, they shouldn't be in the team. <laughs> it's pretty fair, though, isn't it? So you've just talked yeah. talk X's and O's. They're well prepared. You're ready to go. Well, good luck for that, Chris. And I know it's game day for thanks, you, so buddy. thanks so much for dropping by. International football is uh, on us. The All Whites are in action. Of course, European scene is flooded with games as they start a new round of qualifying for Euro 2024. I'm just watching my beloved Dutch get hammered by France in a replay. I think it finished 4-0. Uh, that's quite, <laughs> quite some statement. I've got to ask you about the ageless wonder that is Luka Modric. How long can this guy go for? He, he has said that he's, he's willing to play into next year for Croatia, but hasn't quite committed to the Euros. Surely not. He can't go again. Can um, he? The way he plays now, he does, it's, it's not huge energy output. It's all round. He's using his mind, he's using his ability, and he's actually becoming a, like an orchestrator of what goes on. If you notice that every team he plays for, he's surrounded by runners and hard workers, etc. Um, his, his role now is to just get on the ball, get the ball going, and make the team tick. So those types of players uh, have a longer uh, play time uh, before shelf time hits, and he's certainly one of them. Uh, you know, and the one who does surprise me, of course, is Latin, who's in his 40s, and he's still performing at the highest level. So you go, well, hats off to him, but he's, he's a different kind of physical beast. But uh, Luka Modric is certainly hasn't lost his touch, hasn't lost his ability to pass and to see things. I think it'll call time when he suddenly can see the passes, but he can no longer execute them because physically his legs just can't do it. And that will be the call for him, I think. Yeah, 37 years young. 
what a player. He is just something to behold. Mm. Uh, for those listeners who have not seen him play, you are missing out. The, the guy is yeah, and if I remember right, class and time. Let him go. If I remember right, Daniel, Tottenham let him go when he was about 29. <laughs> That's a long time ago. That is a long time ago. They could do with him. They could do with him. Imagine how good they might have won something. Antonio well, Conte might, might have not gone on a rant like he did last weekend if that yes. I held on to Luka Modric, but I digress because all Tottenham fans yes. are now throwing things at the radio at us, Chris. I'd like to yeah. talk in broad brushstrokes about the All-Whites. Um, yes. Hey, it was a competent performance against uh, China in game number one with, again, probably a lack of cut and thrust in the final third. I feel like I'm a broken record. Um, when it's the All-Whites, that's six games and counting and no goals. I could also uh, love the same thing towards the Football Ferns. With our last 11 senior internationals across men's and women's, all of zero goals, Chris. What's going on? More so well, in the in the male space, you would think, in the men's game. Yeah, yeah. It comes down to a pretty simple uh, fundamental. You need somebody to put a goal, uh, to put the ball in the back of the net. The reality is in international football, apart from when you're playing what is considered minnows, and let's not get ourselves to the majority of the 70 team, top teams in the world, New Zealand are considered a bit of a minnow. Um, we, we would only create two, maybe three, even four chances in a game, and we tend to either hit them at the keeper or miss target, whereas a team, as you alluded this morning, France probably got six chances and four of them are buried in the back of the net. So the reality is... Uh, it's about the creation of the chances. We're not creating enough chances. And the percentage of finishes for the chances of our strikers is, is quite high. They run, they run um, numbers in the Premier League, for example, and some people get one goal in 12, 14, 18 shots. And so if we're doing that, you've got to be creating 14 to 18 shots a game. Well, none of our international teams have the capability to do that unless they're playing uh, Pacific teams. And that, that inherently is a problem. We don't create enough good chances for people to put away. And then when we do create chances, they're not put away. So it's because there's a lot of huff and puff. But I think without Saprit Singh uh, or Ryan Thomas, there is just nobody with the ability to put incisive, incisive balls in there that get tucked away by strikers. Yeah, we've played six um, sides outside of the Oceania uh, Conference. Six um, being Peru, Oman, Costa Rica, Australia twice, and now China. Uh, that's where the string of six games without a goal has come back to. So it's been over a year, over a year since mm-hmm. we've scored against non-Oceania uh, um, t- um, opposition. Uh, that's got to be alarming. Um, so it's more about the surge into, the, into the goal, rather. Sorry? I think I've yeah, dropped out. Yeah, it's all right. It's all about, I know what you're going to say. It's all about the delivery, yes. But there's the other side of the coin. New Zealand desperately doesn't want to get beat by big numbers. So there's not the risk factor. I personally, I mean, we played Australia at Eden Park, and we've just an example. We've got our first corner, and I'm going, okay. We then knock it short. We lose the ball, and they counterattack the entire length of the field. Yet at the time when we were on the pitch, we had Chris Wood, Bill Tuiloma, uh, Winston Reid. We had units that are actually made a living out of finishing corners in the air, and we didn't even put the ball in. We thought we'll just keep the ball. We'll be risk-adverse. And I think that we've got to get to a point in New Zealand now over the next four to eight years where we risk it to score more goals. So if we get beat 3-0, we get beat 3-0. But we go out there and we're looking to win 1-2 or 3-0 by just having a changing the mindset, 
um, and having a go at teams, like literally deciding we're going to go score some goals. Because keeping the score down is one thing, uh, but you end up nil-nil at the best scenario. And I personally would like to see a coach in an environment with the All-Whites and all the international teams going, flag it, let's have a go. I mean, the age group team, the men's age group teams, which are got the 17s and 20s, they, they pick up wins, they pick up draws, they score goals because those coaches and those teams just go for it. It seems to be when we get to the top level, the All-Whites and uh, the Ferns, we kind of go, oh, well, we'll just keep the score down, you know, we'll protect whatever they're protecting. And I'd like to go the other way and just play without fear and just have a go at these teams and literally try and score goals. Tell them to trust themselves a little bit more and actually tell them not to worry about the downside. That that you, you, You're in a position of a coach. You're like, hey, if you get beat three or four today, it's, that's absolutely fine. Go out back yourselves. Well, the reality is you get beat one nil, you've lost. You get beat 20 nil, you've lost. I mean, that's the same scenario. I mean, 20 nil is obviously shocking, but, um, you know, you've lost. You either win or lose, and if you draw, if you do really well. So I, fa- I fail to see... I say to people, people get up in the morning, you've you, you still, you still got your wife, you've still got your family, all the things happen. So it's about worrying about what could happen instead of thinking let's strive to be what we want to be would be a much better environment, I think. What is the ideal front line for New Zealand football, you think here, Chris? Um, I, I look back at the game on Thursday, Mata Barbarossa's Garbutt. Uh, Garbutt and Wood and just the match against Australia. In fact, I think they started both, they, didn't they? The big game against Costa Rica yep. was Garbutt, Wood and Grieve. Um, uh, prior to that against Oman, they used Rojas, Wayne, Barbarusis, McCoward. I think you're getting my point here that they've tried a number of combinations. Is there a clear ideal front three under the system they're currently playing? Well, my question to them would always be the same. What are you trying to do to score goals? Are you on wingers? Do you want midfielders playing wide? Do you want them cutting in? How do you want to do it? Like all those combinations you talk through, uh, most of them are imbalanced. You know, so I can understand if you want to play two in the middle and one pure winger. I get that. You want to play two up top. You want to play a top and a bottom. Depends what you want to do. But the reality is, I believe from a New Zealand perspective, especially with Chris playing, we need two out-and-out wingers just whipping balls into them all day with a 10 going into the spare pockets around Woodsy and the far winger tucking in on the back stick. That gives us four in attack, because currently at the moment when you look at the All-Whites, they generally attack with one and two. I think we've got to get at least four attacking and in and around the box and getting opportunities, getting set pieces, getting opportunities in the front third that force the opposition to defend and start to make them a little nervy. So, it be, But we also have got the other side of the coin for the All-Whites. We just don't have enough quality players at that level. No, indeed. The All-Whites coach, um, interim coach is uh, Darren Baisley. Um Media started talking about he could, you know, earn the job with good performances against China. That's that's not really the case, is it, Chris? He was he wasn't the really preferred option. It's sort of a hiding to nothing for the guy. And this is nothing personal. It seems like they're looking elsewhere, right? They'll continue to look elsewhere, no matter what he does against well, I, China. He's probably not going to get it. Who, who knows? I mean, you've got to say this entire process has been eye-opening, to say the very least. Uh, things have happened. We've all oh, gone, embarrassing. Really? I, you know, I, and I'll call it as it is, Chris. It's embarrassing. They got played. They got played, and they should have got. They should have gone better, and all the rest. But the reality is, Darren's got the interim gig at the moment. Like anything, once you're once you're in the seat, if you then perform really creditably, and I mean that means beating China. They'll have to beat China on the weekend. Then you've got uh, a voice at the table. But my expectation is, New Zealand football are looking still offshore. 
but the reality is they're offering really, really small amounts of money for top-class coaches who would just look at that and go, are you kidding, and walk away from it. So you really got to get the best you can with what's available, and I'm not sure that the process that they've gone through uh, is a fair, accurate representation, because if you're offering... I don't know, let's not kid ourselves. John Herdman apparently is on 750 Canada a year, and you're offering 150 to 200 as New Zealand football coach. Nobody in the right mind is going to walk away from that. There isn't a coach at the upper level club football around the world who'd be earning less than 500 grand a year. So you're asking them to walk away for something that isn't, you know, the same. They may walk away 18 months before a World Cup, thinking I've got two years, I'm going to go to a World Cup. So if they said that, Darren, and I've got nothing against Darren, he's doing he's doing the job that he's asked to do, yeah, and he's yeah. done really, really well with under-20s, but if they said, you've got it for the next 18 months, and then we're going to put it to the market and see who's available, and you never know, there could be a Conte who just suddenly goes, look, I wouldn't mind going to a World Cup with a minnow, I'll spend 18 months down there and I'll work it. Then he's likely the money doesn't matter because you've ignited his passion and his, his desire to do something. You said to him, you're going to do it over four years, he'd look at that and go, I don't think so. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. Uh, of course, we're you know operating under the assumption there we make it to the Football World Cup and Oceania get direct entry. Is that actually guaranteed? Does anyone in Oceania yeah, football figure that out? We, we, guaranteed. We guaranteed one spot. One spot. It doesn't necessarily mean it will be us because the pro license. I mean, the pro league's coming in, and New Zealand football need to get as many all our New Zealand teams in there. Otherwise, the Pacific Island teams will be playing professional football on a regular basis with professional coaches coaching them and some of them will improve, and it's not a guarantee that we would go get that instant spot. It should be, but it's no guarantee. And then uh, we would be then once again in the playoff for the second spot. So New Zealand football have really got to think to themselves, there is no guarantee we've got to work really hard to achieve that first spot um, and then go to a World Cup. And so there's, there's another big question. Indeed. Chris, it's always great to hear your voice. Uh, I love you verbal jousting with me. Thanks so much, my friend. <laughs> We will catch up again real soon, and good luck to to your Western Springside today as you kick off the Northern League. Not a problem, bud. Appreciate it. Chris Milicic joining us. Always uh, very forthright with his opinions. Really interesting to skulls. Like, would you take a would you take a five two loss tonight, Ben, in the, in the hope of scoring two goals? Well, do you understand? Chris's rationale there? I do, because when when you've got the All-Whites, especially coming down here, you, you want to see them do well, you want to support them, and you'd want to see them play for a win as opposed to just playing it safe and steady just to earn a draw, which isn't, what's that going to achieve? Not much, I don't think. I, I just think goals are clearly hard to come by, that they're going to have to gamble a little bit more. You know, get out, get out of their comfort zone. Um, and, you know... These are the type of games you try that, don't you? I, I, I'm no, a loss to China does what? I'm no football manager, Daniel, but I kind of like the formation that Chris was talking about because that's the formation I use with uh, Bradford City on FIFA 23. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are the second coming of Will Still, aren't you? The Rons manager, who, who was a big football manager geek, wasn't he? Yeah. Decided, oh, no, actually, I want to get into coaching. And now has taken over uh, the uh, French First Division club and has led them from like 17th to 8th and have like hardly lost a game, if any, in about 18. And he doesn't have his licenses. He doesn't have his badges. Well, they, well, they, get, they get fined, was it 22,000 euros per game Euro. or something? 
like something ludicrous yeah. like that. And the thing is that the way Bradford's going, I'm definitely on the step of uh, of achieving my goal <laughs> really of Ro- Road Cone <laughs> FC, AFC. Sorry, <laughs> Road Cone FC coming to Auckland uh, sometime soon. Uh, my TV's gone down, so I, I can't tell you, um, Ben, if they're in the gate and they're ready to jump. Right, uh, Tauranga, race number one. Uh, let's cross there now. Uh, all going well. Uh, they're ready to go. Here's some live racing here on SCNZ. Just me here right now. Flaky Elliott has uh, scarfed off down towards uh, Eden Park for the first of the one-day internationals between New Zealand and Sri Lanka. Luckily, Clado never shirks his responsibilities. He's here every Saturday dominating for you, the people. It is the people's show, the good oil. Even more so than this one. Hello, Clayton. Good morning, Daniel, and all your listeners. I've been sitting in the car park for the last hour and a half. What? Well, I heard the uh, reception that Grant Elliott got. Gets the door open for you and everything. And I was sitting there waiting for Ben to come out and open my car door. And I was sitting there, <laughs> I was waiting, waiting, texting, I'm here, I'm here. And I'm yeah, here. Where's the still no carpet? response. I'm the talent. No, it's great I to see the great the man. <laughs> Yeah. I know, he was very excited at getting up to the mothership. He was almost like, you know, uncomfortably nervous about it. I was like, it's just a building. It is, it's no. It's fine. No, he's it's not fine. used to like, going no. from the broom cupboard to the real studio. Now, I hear the big boss Hutchie's in town, and I understand everyone has turned up to work today. In a suit and tie, yeah. I wonder what was going on there. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't yeah, get that memo, <laughs> as you can people tell. Turn up ver- people turned up very early for their shifts as if they were trying to embellish um, how hard they work in there their were, roles. There were people here on a Saturday who I've never seen in my life. That's all right. Got a name, <laughs> no, got a name for them. Names. Yeah, we got you don't even know them. their names, do you? We no, never them. seen them before we in my life. We don't even know them. Brilliant. What have you, what's your wonderful crew got lined up for us today? Uh, we've got uh, Tauranga. We're underway at Tauranga and Rickerton Park, a 10-race card at Rickerton Park, eight races at Tauranga. And we're joined today by a man of many hats, Greg O'Connor, uh, one of the Mr Harness Racing New Zealand, joins Louis down in our Christchurch studio. So I'm all up here on my lonesome, just me and Brian. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you'll cope. You're wonderful company Brian does um, yeah. offer, doesn't he? He does. Captain he does. Energy. Yeah, Captain yeah. Energy. No, nothing like that man pumps up people's tyres better than anyone I've ever met. <laughs> he certainly does. Fantastic. I've got to ask you, Clado, horse racing, um, probably an, an, an industry that lends itself to the odd excuse from time to time being thrown out. Uh, yeah, that's probably fair. I hear a lot of them after one o'clock most Saturdays afternoons when your horses don't come in. Um, uh, Zane Robinson, you're well aware, uh, the um, New Zealand long-distance runner who uh, failed uh, a doping test, then quite an extraordinary litany of excuses he threw out uh, trying to get uh, his way out of uh, said issue. Didn't work, had his suspension doubled. But we tried to have a bit of fun with it today. Um, The favourite examples of when we've used a terrible excuse in sport. Clado, surely you've got one for us. Well, horse racing, they haven't finished writing the book of uh, excuses for getting beat, but... uh... (laughs) There's always something. There's always a reason. Every race is different, so uh, you can always. What's the what's the go-to excuses you hear the most in, in horse racing? Oh, if we had a got out at the four hundred, we would have bolted it. <laughs> if the favourite wasn't too good for us today, we would have won that race. <laughs> if I had been awake at the six hundred and got off the fence, um, yeah, we would have won that. I oh, don't know. No, that one sort of doesn't get used just by the trainers or the owners. 
<laughs> you just roll your eyes. Oh, the other, hear those lines. Oh, uh, the worst one. I was going to back that. I was going to back oh. it. Like I caught out last it? night too. I kept watch, I went back and watched the replay of Copy That's Race because self-assured yeah. he's getting ready for the race by grins. Um, you lock wheels on the turn last night at Alex Park in a really good race. So I went back and I was rewinding on my sky, watching it, watching it. And I thought, what am I doing? I've got to have a bit in the last at uh, Addington. My old mate, Arizona Wildcat, going around 11 to 1. And I flicked over to back to Channel 62 and they were already underway. And so I had to... <laughs> I sat there and watched this race, Arizona Wildcat, out the back. They're going mad up front, just suited and perfectly. And the language was that colourful. My boy thought uh, the Warriors were playing. Or he came out to see what was, what's going on, Dad. So, ah, Arizona Wildcat. Beep, beep, beep. So I would have backed that horse. I was going to back it. I was going to back it. <laughs> I was gonna... I'm so disciplined. I was going to back it. But then um, the night the night turned on its head and Imperial Tourist won the Group 1. William Reed stakes a million dollars at Mooney Valley with a, just a magnificent Opie Bossom ride. So, yeah. And after, on the back of the um, Broncos-Dolphins game last night, what a ripper. Yeah. What a ripper. ripper. Uh, the, the one and only team of Brisbane reigns supreme. All hail the Broncos. Oh, I'm a Broncos fan. I'm a Broncos Ooh. fan. You may, you well, may have to keep it there. Well, you need the Dolphins to lift your game, don't you? Dolphins, Dolphins though. Hey, Ben Francis, Dolphins. What, what are they going to do? Yeah. What are they going to do? Oh, he's giving me, he's giving me a finger. Yeah. I, I, I've said the Dolphins will win a title before the Warriors. Hasn't gone down well with Ben Francis. Ooh, wash your mouth. I've, yeah. d- I've just turned him off, Clayto, so yeah, I, don't okay. to, I don't have to listen to him anyway. Can, can, okay, so can, we can chat, yeah. Yeah, we, we can chat. We'll just leave, we'll just leave Daniel. But uh, thanks so much for your time. Uh, we really appreciate you coming in and giving That's us right. an update on what's happening on the good oil. Looking forward to the Warriors tomorrow, though, aren't we? Oh, I was so excited, hey. mate. Can't wait. Return to Mount Smart against the Doggies. Yeah, We're, MacGyver will be out there. He'll be crying into his soup. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be so much fun. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> thanks, Ben. Oh, Daniel, you're back. Oh, I just nodded just off cutting. there. What was that? <laughs> this Warriors propaganda. I haven't heard of that over the years. Gee, they've been good, though, to start the year. Absolutely. Um, can see why you're, you're daring to dream. It's uh, 17 away from one. We will take a break, I assume. We'll come back uh, with the Ocho um, and sporting tips. You should probably run a mile from and uh, our workhorses of the week. It's going to be a jam-packed final few minutes. Midas Agritire the choice of leading manufacturers, proudly bringing you the... Workhorse of the Week here on SENZ. Will we nominate the athlete team coach or something attached to uh, sport who have uh, been working the land, you might say, working tirelessly to provide us great entertainment or something thought-provoking or something silly? Midas Agritise, European quality made affordable. Mr Ben Francis, Daniel McCarty, no Grant Elliott, he's covering uh, cricket. So just us two with our nominations. My non-nominations are pretty obvious one at Zane Robinson. Um, ah, seriously. But my nomination goes to a, a young man who will get points off for using the word polls in a cricketing interview. We need to get this out of the cricketing vernacular. We don't poll. Searching for polls. If you're a young cricketer coming through the ranks, stop saying this word. It's a nonsense. There you go. There's your pious lecture over and out. Uh, I'm talking about Palmerston North Boys High School first 11 bowler, Matt Rowe, who achieved uh, a feat, quite some feat, of taking six wickets and six balls. All those balls in the same over. 
Six balls, six wickets, one over. The year 13 student uh, ended up with match figures of nine for 12 from six overs, including his irresistible fifth over in which a wicket fell every ball. I think five of them might have been bowled. That's some going, isn't it, Ben Francis? So well done, uh, Matt Rowe. Uh, slight points of production for using the word polls, interviews, but outstanding effort. Uh, Graham Beasley, the sports freak, uh, regular contributor to CNZ, uh, blogger out there, uh, did pose this question on uh, Twitter uh, too. How many hat-tricks is that, Ben Francis? You take six wickets and six balls. How many hat-tricks is that? Is it two? Is it? I would say it's two, but I, I know that four? Some, I know some people like if you score four goals, they will say that's a double hat trick. But to me, no, a double hat trick would be six goals. So, so wicket, wicket, wicket. That's one hat trick. Yep. And then you start again. Correct. One, two, three. Yep. That's how I see it personally. That is the hill you're going to die on today. I don't. I'm not going to die, but I'll go on the hill. Yeah. But four and four. Five and five, six, three. It could be an argument. You could say that's four hat tricks. Um, I, I, I'm not going to get on this hill because I really um, have better things to worry about in my life. But it's just an interesting question. I thought. Uh, but Matt Rowe, well done you. You are my Midas Agritized workhorse of the week for that scintillating over. Midas Agritized made in Europe and trusted by leading manufacturers uh, worldwide. Ben Francis. Yeah, Do mine, you have a workhorse of the week? Yeah, mine's going to be uh, real quick. I can't say the football club's name, but it has to be the, the manager of it, uh, Will Still. Uh, Rons. That's the one because they, Rons. they I just love his story, and they beat PSG 2-0 today, and the fact that the club's getting fined lots of money and now they're in, pretty much in a European spot is just so cool, and his story, oh, I'll just play football manager, and that's how I got into it. I got a lot of respect for him. Oh, brilliant. That is a cool little yarn, absolutely. Let's get to the odd show, the bizarre, quirky, and odd sporting stories from the week that you may not have heard, but you definitely need to know about. Hey, the Premier League and EFL clubs have shelled out a staggering 1.3 million quid, Ben Francis, in fines this season for abusive and aggressive behaviour. Arsenal have paid out the largest amount in the Premier League this season with fines totaling £185,000, while Manchester United and Everton have also parted with six-figure sums. There are just five Premier League clubs which have yet to be charged for poor on-field behaviour. They are Newcastle, Brentford, Leicester, Bournemouth, Southampton are the only clubs not to have been fined. Three of them are mired in a relegation battle. Take that what you will. Uh, I'm assuming this is a, a lot of referee abuse. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the the, the report yeah, the report like, was... sort your ex, expletive out football. The way you <laughs> treat referees is appalling. And, and and Mitrovic, you know, handles a referee. People coming out and defending him. Like, oh, it's the heat of the battle. We need to understand. Can't throw the book at these people. If you have a crisis with lack of refereeing at that level, uh, at the grassroots level, you wonder why. Well, that's where the report came out from was on the back of uh, Mitrovic's outburst at the referee. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Uh, another lecture over. Uh, and lastly, on the odd show, the bizarre and quirky sporting stories you may not have heard, but you definitely need to know about. There was a scary scene at the Vuelta Extra Madura cycling event as a spectator caused a rider to suffer a horrific crash. Not like last week where the cyclist went into the manure. Not like last week. The multi-stage event, which is hosted in Spain every year, saw a cyclist knocked off his bike by a fan attempting to film the action on her phone. 
The spectator was stood on the side of the road, but who had her arm out holding her phone as she recorded the race. This could also be our Darwin Award. Like, seriously. The rider was struck by the woman's arm, funnily enough. She clotheslined him while trying to film him, uh, sending both of them tumbling to the floor. Luckily, nobody was seriously injured in the fall. I know those cycling fans in Europe like getting close, but... Too, too often we see fans overstepping the line, even though there's not really a line on those, those grand tours. It's a pretty scary sight, wasn't it? Oh yeah, totally. You know, because you're moving at quite a, a speed, and if someone just one person moves out of the way, <laughs> that that is there, and it's like, oh Jesus! Brilliant. And, and can I make a late addition uh, too? Uh, could be for a um, a Darwin Award too. Our brothers Eric and Mark Stoll um, play for the Florida Panthers. They took great um, issue in the NHL of having to wear pride jerseys. Yeah, you know, big, strong, angry ice hockey players scared of wearing a jersey. Um, brilliant moment. Uh, post-game, after he refused to wear this, uh, Ben Francis, he, he was um, notified that there was photographic evidence of him wearing a pride jersey back in 2020, 2021. So take this in mind. There's evidence. There's evidence of it. Um, and his reply to the journalist was, I haven't before. I never have. I haven't worn a jersey before. And then was shown a photo of him in the jersey. He'd make a good politician, wouldn't he? <laughs> really would. So Eric Stahl, well done you for being an absolute numpty. All right, let's finish off with this morning tip. She should probably run a mile from Ben Francis after all this bagging of New Zealand football. I still have the faith. Good on you. They will score a goal. Oh, they my will score goodness. Two goals. Oh. They're going to score two goals tomorrow. China's going to score one. My punt. Exact score, 2-1 all-whites, paying $8.50. You're welcome. Oh, Who's going to score? Oh, don't ask me that. <laughs> an own goal. First one will be an Oggy. You've got a good one to finish? Mate, this one is going to make you rich. This one is going to make you rich. It is paying, after adding it all up, a whopping $251. Whoa, you have my interest. I have your interest, and I'm glad I do, Daniel, because I'm yeah. so sick of you talking about the Brisbane Broncos. Put your money on them to get the wooden spoon. Paying $251. <gasps> to, to win the wooden spoon? To win the wooden spoon. $251. I'm just, I, bucks. I'm, I'm just hoping it's going to shut you up next week about those. Is, is that the the same Broncos who are the only side in the NRL who are 4 from 4? Yeah, but we all know just, that just they're going to collapse. They're going to collapse, Daniel. Yeah, in the last six weeks of the season. Yeah, and they're going to get the wooden spoon. <laughs> Wow, 250 odd bucks. Are you going to put money on this? Yep, doing it right now. Brilliant. Thank you, Ben. Great week, everyone. Have one.